Hey, we're headed for a July 4th weekend. There's going to be a lot of fireworks in the NBA, potentially. You never know. We're going to have my podcast on Thursday and on Sunday, and then the Ringer NBA show as well. Check that out. Don't forget about the Mismatch or the Ryan Rosillo podcast. Anything that's happening in the NBA, we'll be covering it somewhere on the Ringer Podcast Network. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game. And they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia, and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time, that's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30, perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network. Put up a new rewatchables on Monday night. We did Project X, Dave Jacoby's favorite movie, an absolutely insane movie and uh, and the most recent example of the One Big Party movie, which we covered in detail on that podcast. It was me, Jacoby, Craig Horlbeck. Check it out. On this podcast, me and Van Lathan and Big Waz talked about all the latest basketball stuff. Jalen Brunson, Kyrie, Draymond feuding with Perk, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And then Ariel Hawani came on because we talked a little wrestling and then we also talked about UFC 276. Our new gimmick, he has to sell me on why I need to get the pay-per-view. And then last but not least, our friend Alan Yang, diehard Laker fan. Um, he's going to talk about <laughs> have they hit rock bottom. He has a great excuse for Jeannie Buss and uh, that'll make the Laker fans feel better. And we talked about his new show with Maya Rudolph. It's called Loot. So that is all coming up next. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, we're taping this part of the podcast. It is 4.30 Pacific time. Just taped the rewatchables with Van Lathan and Big Waz, and we decided to keep the mics going and talk a little hoops. There's some stuff happening. Kyrie's going back to the Nets. We'll talk about that in a second. This Jalen Brunson thing, which seems like it was an inside job. The Knicks are getting him. Russell and I joked about how this was... Um, there were, my friend Mark Stein was calling it the Brunson sweepstakes. It feels like with only two suitors, that's not a sweepstakes. But the Knicks, this has been a year-long plan, I guess, to get Jalen Brunson, who has this whole history 
with uh, World Wide West and mm-hmm. Leon Rose. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like this was preordained. And now it seems like Dallas is pretty resigned to losing him. Was what does this do to the Knicks fan base? If like, what if this number is like five years, 125 million, 130 million? How do you sell this to the Knicks fans? I, maybe the sell is that eventually they'll be the first ones up in the next disgruntled superstar sweepstake, right? Like that's that's what your idea is. Like, all right, we could package some of our young guys for the next disgruntled superstar plus some picks. And we'll be like a really good team, like a la Dallas. They got a superstar. Jalen Brunson was a secondary part, secondary ball player. Maybe we'll be the next Dallas. I don't, I don't know. I'm 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 spitballing here, Bill, because So basically you use the cap space, you get Brunson, who yeah. you know isn't a number one or number two, but might be a number three. And then eventually and maybe then you still package, have some assets. Yeah, top end, uh quickly. If you want to get crazy, throw RJ in there, which I think would be a mistake, but... They're not going to do that. That's what I'm saying. Like, maybe their thing is, like, eventually we'll get the second star to come. Or their sell is that we've drafted so well, our young guys are going to develop in such a way that they're going to be great players next year. But to me, these CAA dudes came in, and the whole sell job was, yo, we're just so close to stars. Right. And the biggest we know how to talk to these guys. you will have signed is Jalen Brunson, who, with all due respect, is a good NBA player. I think he's an above-average average starting point guard. He is nobody's star. And so this is the, like, all the chips in the table. We've marshaled all our resources in order to get in position to bring in Jalen Brunson. Well, I, and I don't some, know how you get excited about this. And some flexibility for the next thing. Yeah. So now I, I'm going backwards. I'm like, who are my keepers? Mm-hmm. Right? Brunson now, assuming they get him. Barrett. RJ. RJ Barrett. So 100%. there's two good ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? And I think two guys that could play together. I still like Toppin. I, I'm a Toppin fan Toppin as will well. be around. I think yeah. some of the younger guys, some of the younger guards they have, I think could be like rotation guys for well, the When the handcuffs team. got taken off Toppin towards the end of the year, he, he exactly. showed, he showed some And the yeah. same with Quick. Although quickly had his moments where he wasn't as you know, as develop, far along in his development as we would have liked. He's but fine. again, these things don't happen. It, like, people think these things happen in a, like, linear fashion. Like, year one, then year two, then year three. Like, there's ups and downs. Like, sometimes guys take steps backwards. But I still like quickly. Um, well, here's the real issue with New York to me. I look at teams that... I look, look at the two teams in the finals yes. this past year, right? They both have tremendous cultures, right? And part of the culture of both teams was patience. Mm. People talked about the Celtics. The Celtics have been knocking on the proverbial door for a long time. And they went through a bunch of different iterations of what should the Celtics do. Should the Celtics break it all up? Should the Celtics try to go get Anthony Davis? Should the Celtics do this? There was an Isaiah Thomas era. There was a Kyrie Irving era. There was an era where... Kyrie Hayward era. Kyrie Hayward era, right? <laughs> so there was a... There was all Kemba these, era. Yeah, Kemba era. All of these different things. But the Celtics, their culture and their willingness to try to find out who they are as a basketball team and which version of this team was going to succeed really won out. Same thing with, with, uh, with Golden State. Golden State had this core, an aging core. They're spending tons of money on this core of course so not everybody can do that but they rather than panic at the first sign that maybe things were coming to an end they stayed the course because the Knicks have zero culture they don't have anything to be patient for 
They can't, at this point, wait to see what they have with Barrett. They can't wait to see if they can put together another decent year like they had last year or the year before last, I guess. Like, they don't have any clue what it is that they're doing. So now... The well, and then you have the pressure of the front office is worried, like, it's year three for us. Could we get fired if right. this doesn't and that's, work? And that's because hmm. there's no North Star. And the, the reality is now, with this, Jalen Brunson is a good player. I like Jalen Brunson a lot more than a lot of people do, right? Mm-hmm. I, I'm like a nine out of ten about how much I like Jalen Brunson. I love Jalen But to me, they're just <laughs> doing shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That like, and it becomes a situation. There was this whole phase that the Lakers went through to where the Lakers were out there trying to get Carmelo Anthony. Couldn't get Carmelo Anthony. Hey, Jeremy Lin. And everybody's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like they, yeah. they, they were trying to get different players and they couldn't, they couldn't get them. They would strike out. They struck out with Dwight Howard, struck mm-hmm. out free agent after free agent after free agent. And because they didn't know what they were doing or what they wanted to do, it was nothing that was making their basketball team and their franchise and their culture better. And so now, to me, with the Jalen Brunson thing, he's a good player. But what is this building towards? Like, what what kind of team? Well, are you they, trying to we put don't together? know because they don't they talk don't to the talk. press. They don't tell they anyone. Don't talk. Right. That's, I mean, that's, that's, that's all they have to do is come out and say all we want to do is just add assets that work hard, talented guys. We don't think we're going to win the title this year, but we're just we're stockpiling assets. Jalen Brunson is an asset. This guy played in the conference finals last year. He was the second best player on that team. He's a good. Basketball player, perfect player for Dallas, if you ask me. I don't think yeah, I think yeah. you guys are onto something when it comes to like what Van is saying. Like, there's no credibility that or equity that's been built in this management group, and because the Knicks have had such a horrible management track record, going back literally twenty years, like, twenty. No, we're go- we're going to like ninety nine. Yeah, 99 exactly. range. so yeah. over twenty yeah. years, like they had yeah. the brief interim of Donnie Walsh doing a fantastic job, and then they got him up out of town, and it's just been terrible management. So it's like you got this group who like treats the press like they just li- they don't do anything, any media. Only- I actually think that it's been a mistake. They're, of course, it's I'd, a mistake. I'm all for the low profile. We don't yeah. need to hear from these guys that much. We don't need you to be Mark Cuban. But you need every once in a while. You people need to hear from you, and you owe that to your fans. I think that's been a mistake, especially since, like you said, there's a lack of credibility. Right? It's like if you take your car to a have they have something in Baton Rouge called a shady tree mechanic. You know, shady tree mechanic, the guy who like you need your brake pads put on. You don't feel like going to play it. It's like the dude that say, hey, man, I put your brake pads on $5 pack of Newport Slims. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? All you got to do is buy the brake pads. Now, when you take your car to that guy, you want to know a couple of the things about him before he before he fucks with your car, right? Right. Like, hey, man, it's, how do you take the brake pads off? Like, what you do? You know what I mean? Like, tell, tell me, what, what's, what's your process, you know? And so... And the guy said, I'm not telling you. <laughs> right. The guy goes, all right. You know what I'm saying? If you're if you're if, if somebody's like if you're if you're on shaky ground with someone, you want to hear a plan. Yeah. And so for me, and I, by the way, the, the thing I love about it the most is when they hired the dad. The reason why I love that is because I'm from SEC country. Yeah. So I love it when there's some kind of, of big recruit and then all of a sudden. Their cousin gets hired on staff. But oh yeah, but this, this seems love, like I've never seen stuff. that in the pros. That's what I'm. That's, that's the thing. <laughs> but again, it's 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 worth mentioning here on the pod. Like, J, um, Rick Brunson, Jalen Brunson's dad, who's now an assistant coach for the Knicks, 
was at Tibbs' last two stops as an assistant Fair coach. Enough. Um, was Leon Rose, the Knicks president of basketball ops, was his first ever client. Yeah. Right? And and as he an got agent. that client because he was so close with World Wide West, who now yeah. works who with now Leon works Rose. with Fair the enough. Knicks. Yeah. So Rick Brunson's on the staff. Like, I told Waz, this is like if Joe House's son was a star podcaster <laughs> and became a free agent. And it's like, gee, I wonder where he's going. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. So like the family ties and all of that makes sense. And I think. Another thing that needs to be said, too, is, like, the Knicks' moves in a vacuum aren't bad moves. Like, signing Jalen Brunson to a little bit more than starter, uh, starting point guard level money, um, which would which would be, like, $25 million per, is not a bad move. Moving that 11th pick, getting off of that for three future picks, uh, three future firsts, are not bad moves. It's just... When this administration that nobody knows nothing, anything about, yeah. and of course, again, they came in on this, we're the big dogs, we're the agents to the stars, we know the stars, the stars love us, and that's the only thing they sold people on when they came in, and they've just literally not talked since, and have literally delivered no stars yet, you understand the angst, like I do anyway. Well, then the, there's the other piece of this, like this is a huge loss for Dallas. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because that team, I didn't feel like was that far away in one move. You know, you get, like, I think Goran Dragic is going to go there. It's, it seems like he's wanted to play with Luka for a while. Those guys are countrymen. Yeah. Um, And I thought they were going to add him, keep Brunson. Yeah. They added Christian Wood. They had some salary cap stuff that in February, maybe they go get some bigger piece. Mm -hmm. But I just, I never thought Brunson was actually going to leave, even though all the tea leaves were pointing to, like, this is an inside job. The Knicks are getting this guy. And now it seems like he's going to leave. And, you know, this pushes the Luka timetable back. This so, is now year five for him. That's the thing there, right? The thing there is you're not getting nearly to the point yet, but you're getting to a spot where you're, where you're, you're trying to figure out what kind. Luka is obviously the type of talent to me that you build around to win an NBA championship, an MVP-level talent, right? Yes. But you need to figure out what kind of team that's on, right? Mm -hmm. and Which they started to figure out last they year. They did. It's and shooters, so, it's flexible wings. Right, and thing. remember when uh, when Carlisle and the rest of the Brain Trust finally figured out uh, what type of team Dirk needed to win a championship, yeah. right? You combine some veteran point guard play with a rim protector like Tyson mm -hmm. Chandler. Then you have Deshaun Stevenson, who some kind of way found out how to be a very valuable player for them. Reliable for a year. You know what I mean? And then, um, you know, obviously Jason Terry, you you start to kind of figure out like what works. And then, of course, with the historic implosion of the Miami Heat. That not allowed to talk about that anymore. <laughs> right. But they have to kind of figure out. But that's why Brunson was so important. And I thought they were. Yeah. yeah. He brought this second ball handler. That's heat checky guy, some pressure off Luca. Secondary ball handling is really key because we talk about Luca's stamina, and a lot of it is the guy's breaking down at the end of games because he is in charge of all of these possessions. And I thought Dallas kind of took off when they let Jalen Brunson and other guys, um, even Dinwiddie at times sort of rest control of the office so that mm. it wasn't so Luka dependent all game long against, against the best defenses in the sport, right? And so I think they do need some secondary creation around Luka, especially 82-game season. Like, it's at least in the regular season, there has to be a more even distribution of the usage. And this hurts that if Jalen Brunson is going to go sign a mega deal with the One. Knicks, which it's increasingly seeming like is going to be the case. 
And if they can't even get a sign and trade out of it, mm. like let us help you and we'll do that. We'll do it this way. Can it, we at right. least get the trade exception back? Um, pretty rare for a team that made the conference finals that has a young superstar like this to then lose somebody who is super important. It doesn't, yeah. doesn't usually happen. Um, from the Knicks standpoint, I guess this paves the way for, they still have Randall. They can somehow rehab that in some way so that he seems like a trade asset again. And then they, they, they're going to have to pick Randall or Toppin at some point over the next eight months, I think. You can't have both. I mean, they don't make Toppin sense has together. to play. Right, that's the thing. If Toppin <laughs> has to play, you got to get rid of Randall at so, that point. So, and so this is the thing with, to me with all sports, right? Is like, there's always so much value in the unknown ceiling of somebody. Mm -hmm. yeah. We have seen the absolute best version of Julius Randle. And that's mm -hmm. not a bad basketball Two player. Two years right. ago. That's, that's a, we have seen the absolute best version. He was great. He was, and he was, to me, he had a phenomenal season. He I'm not going to lie. He to did. Like, to, he to was me, legitimately he, all NBA like to, type of guy. Yeah, but he had a phenomenal season. So could you rebuild that? Could you just say last year, we, we don't know what happened to him off the court. Did he just have a fucked up year? Can you, I, was, you have a better chance of doing that than trying to make somebody a star. Or is he a, a guy who's not, not playing for hundred mil anymore? <laughs> you know, oh, like this, this is that part of it. Like he got his deal, and it's kind of yeah, just that like, is true. You know, I did what I had to do the year before they extended me. You mean like Aaron Judge right now? <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what? I, you know what? Like you know, I know that that happens, <laughs> but I do think that there was something about that year. There was a great energy around the Knicks. Mm -hmm. there, there weren't very year many one tips. Very weren't very many expectations. Not a lot of stories about year five tips because he <laughs> no. because he grinds guys <laughs> like sandpaper. And I yeah. think I think he might have already. Yeah. I think he might have already gotten to Randall, and so and so right. and so. I mean, but in, in that case, like you know, what is it that that you do? I like Toppin a lot. I think he can be a versatile. Player. I like him too. I'd like to see him on a team that just. Plays freely. Yeah. He can run the court. Run. Somebody that looks for him. You got to run, play with some spacing, let him, um, you know, attack the rim vertically. Uh, but look, like, I don't want to sound too down on the Brunson thing. I think the team is going to be, it's not going to be a I like it. terrible it's, team. It's an asset that they didn't have. Yeah, and for sure. Hyper-competitive East, bro. I mean, yeah. the, the bummer for like, them is they're that. They're going to be an 11 seed again. Hyper-competitive Yeah, the, the bummer East. for them is the East is really good. Yeah. They had this chance a year ago to create all this cap space. Like, they still could have been looming in that KD Kyrie thing. Maybe you don't even want to be looming in that. But, <laughs> but um, in, in, the, in the word that, like, that, well, I mean, not with Kyrie, but that KD wouldn't. Either, maybe. That he he wouldn't play for New York, that he wouldn't go play Probably for New York. Probably not. That seems Who like. Knows? You just Who seem knows? like. That's such like a weird move to. You spurn them, and now yeah. you're like, on oh, second thought. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about what about the, the 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 now years old Zion chatter? Oh God, come on! Zion is begging for his extension. Already. Yeah, I think I think New Orleans All likes that, that tough down. talk yeah. about oh, we would just take the qualifying offer, blah blah blah. And you ain't played a whole year. You think people are gonna be lined up to hand you a five year guaranteed deal, fool? So all of that tough talk is done. He's staying in New Orleans. Well, plus like, they won a couple of playoff games. They did. Yep. It's so, so funny it's how like, a couple of playoff games can change the narrative. Now he thinks, you know. But by the way, I to the Luca thing. I, I think. Did you have you seen Luca lately? I saw the biceps. 
I've been monitoring. Doing this, I've been monitoring. He's coming into this best. You think he's stopped drinking the sweet tea? Hold on for a second. Hold on for a second. (laughs) Cut out the Chick Fil A. If Luca can kick kick the sweet tea, look. I'm telling you guys, there's a better version of Luca. We're with you. We talk. This is a recurring topic. Yeah, Yeah, we're with you. Luca getting in shape is is in shape. Luca ultimate way to unlock his ultimate potential. Here's the thing: when Luca cares as much as Giannis has the last five years about what his body and his endurance is and all that stuff, insane, right? That's a big thing. I had one thing happened yesterday with the. There was like the what four hours there where it seemed like all of a sudden. The, the nets were blowing up. Mm-hmm. Kyrie yeah. was going somewhere and KD mm-hmm. was going to get traded. Yeah. KD is shaky. I went on my friend. Oh, uh, look at <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're showing us the Luca. Yeah, he looks, <laughs> looks pretty good. But look, it's like, not just, are we look, sure look at, it's not like look at the internet face. trickeration? We just not, saw a Luca picture. Look at the face, though. Like, he's lean, bro. Yeah, yeah. No, he's like, like he's, good. His shoulders are popping yeah, out. Looking good. I'm telling you, man. Looking good. So there's this three-hour stretch and it seems like there might be a trade. Mm-hmm. And in Boston, Scalabrini, who I like, but he had thrown out on one of the TV stations about Jalen Brown and three number one picks for the thing. And then Jalen <laughs> liked the tweet saying, why would we trade Jalen Brown? And it's and it sent me in a tailspin. Kevin Durant? Well, here's the thing. <laughs> this is where I stand. <laughs> wow. Don't laugh. Don't laugh because I really feel strongly about this. <laughs> okay. I know you're going to laugh. Okay. God damn no, it. No, you no, are going to laugh. Let's, uh-huh. let's, let's hear it. I just want to root. We came within two wins of the finals. Yeah. Of winning the finals. I like the Jays together. Yeah. I think Jalen Brown, if I was him and we went as far as we went and I fought my ass off for 24 playoff games and in mm-hmm. game six, Tatum's dead. And you Jaylen's were better the than Jalen in the, in the finals. Yeah. Jason. J- J- Jason, excuse me. And I was like, wow, I'm in trade rumors. Yeah. Like if I was running the Celtics, I swear I would be, I would come out and I would just say, you know what? We're not trading these guys. I don't want to see these guys in rumors. Yeah. I don't want stories. Yeah. The, you can't. I don't, <laughs> we, we are building around these two guys. These are our guys. And that's it. So stop putting them in stuff because we're really close to winning the title. Like mm. we have that we have the 10.6 million free agent exception or the 6.5. We have a huge trade exception. And the Celts were pretty close last year. Yeah. So it's like, oh, cool. Now Bro, I get Kevin Durant, who's they, probably going to be unhappy the moment we get him. Like they were up five with like six minutes to go, about to go up three one. Like yeah, like this this they they're close. Kevin Durant they're who's right in there. year sixteen, and now it's like I have to gut my future. Nah. Like I don't. I'm just out on the chasing title strategy. I like building shit. I think mm. that's where what the NBA is going. About you're out on chasing titles. You like building. I mean, like, if you okay, if you have what the Celtics have. Uh-huh. And look at what why do I have to chase this and do like what all these other dumbass just, but just, are doing? just look at what Brooklyn has had. Yeah. The what chasing. have they gotten out of the Kyrie and uh KD and DeAndre Jordan? Okay. All right. So so I'll be the I'll, I'll be the foil here. We're talking about two wholly different scenarios, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking about taking uh remember we we talked about it earlier, right? Kevin Durant worked just fine in Golden State. Do you know why? Because of stability. Mm. Again. Now, in, in like in, in that situation, he worked just fine. By the way, Kevin Durant has worked just fine pretty much wherever he's gone. I'm a huge Kevin Durant fan, right. as you know. I know, I, I know. I just don't think the Celtics need to trade Jalen Brown and four first-round picks it's for not him. about need. It's about if it was available to you. You I asked you when we I asked you it's, via group. I just feel like I it's a soul-selling thing. I asked you via mm. group text. 
What did the Celtics need to to get themselves over the hump? And what was your answer? I said we needed a wing scorer off the bench. Okay. What about maybe the best wing scorer in the history of the game? What about the easiest wing? What about the easiest wing scorer? Not the. I'm pro continuity. I feel like that Warriors title. That like the fact that they won. I guarantee, like Steve Kerr, if you got him drunk. And you're like, which one meant the most? He would oh, say 22. Yeah, of course. So, wow. oh, and I what it meant question. to Steph and so, what it meant, like, the, that's what Steph how, like, how hard him. those let me guys tell you the for it. Let me tell you the way I look at it. This is the way I look at it. If I were the Celtics and there was an opportunity to bring Kevin Durant in, the reason why I would be stoked on it is because uh, this is in no way a slight to Jalen Brown, who is a player I have an immense amount of respect for in all facets of his life and game. Yeah. I think he's great. At some point, with the Celtics, the Celtics are going to go far as far as the ceiling of Jason Tatum is going to allow them to go. Right. Okay. To me, I think it's actually a net positive to have Jason Tatum and and, and Kevin Durant together for a little while. I think it's a net positive. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> I think, I now, think now we're a, now we're doing the KD Jalen Brown his, trade his, segment. His, no, his no, 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 no. I, I think I think it's a I think it's a net positive to have to to have Jason Tatum and and, and him together, and I think it also. It, it greases things for Jason Tatum to really take the team over when he has to take an eventual when Ke- when Kevin Durant can I has just, to take. Can the, I just watch my two guys? Yeah, the the problem the problem with that is like for me, I think the world of KD, but like this is the same cat who's like cast his lot with Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Like I just, what, just, what does that have to do just, with this man? just let, I, his mindset about he let Steph Curry to play with Kyrie bro. Irving. It bothers me, no. and I don't want to bring that mindset into my everybody has a weird friend. Y'all nah. all got a weird but, yeah, friend. Yeah, not to that it. extent. Bill knows. Like, you don't let your you friends got, mess up your money, though. Yeah, everybody, everybody, <laughs> everybody has a everybody has a weird friend. Yeah. Everybody, everybody has That's that fair. friend. Hey, just leave him alone. He with me. That's and everybody has a weird friend. Now I will say, at at a certain point. And I do wonder, and Kyrie is w- weird. I, at a certain point, I do wonder, what's the limit? Is there a limit? <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, is there a limit? But look, you know I wanna- just wonder, like, with karma, with sports and shit like that, like, the Celtics traded for Kyrie, remember? Mm-hmm. And one of the people they put in that deal is Isaiah Thomas, who got hurt in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Going, you know, pushing his body Cost too far. Cost him $100 million. Cost mm-hmm. them the money and all that. And then they're like, cool. Hey, we need your salary for this trade. And the karma shit from that, I just, I never felt great about. Just in general, like, sometimes it's fine. Like, this team is a contender. And I then don't we'll feel, be again next year. I don't feel the need to be like, oh, how can we add? Like, if they if they sucked, if they lost in round two, I get it. But this team really it. built something. And anyway. especially, like, we just beat KD. We just beat them up. We right. just beat this team 4 that, that's, that, that's a in the playoffs. And like, also, he's in year 16 next year? Like, like what, what am wh- I trading for? Why am I, like, so thirsty to bring this dude in the, in, into my building anyway, when, like, I just watched this Van, beat him up? I'm giving a press conference, and I'm saying, we love these guys. I don't want to see any more trade rumors with them. We are not trading either of them. We I think that would go a long way because I think right, little stuff like this, way, yeah. little sure. stuff like this, it gets filed away with these guys. Now Jalen comes home. He's in he's in Atlanta and they're like, yo, man, what's up with you? You getting traded for KD? And 
And it's just, and then when, guess what happens when he's a free agent? Jalen's an interesting. Guess cat what happens himself, when he's a free agent? Man. He starts looking around. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, ah, oh, these guys. I was I in mean, trade rumors for five years. Now think, I'm gonna leave. I think the most one of the most important things that we've created for human beings is like I think the most important thing about being a human being or whatever is security. Like yes, so, like security is what people like want, right? You want to feel secure in whatever situation you're in. It's an incredible important thing about being a human being. And especially for a team, I would feel insulted if I were Jalen Brown, but at the same time, you know, it's like he understands. It's Kevin Durant. I don't, I don't think he 100% no, understands. He we just beat KD. I don't think when you, when you got... Him. When you get that close we to winning the, the title, and we beat them. And your arrows pointing up and it's great. Like I don't want to uh, hear anything about what my future is. All right, no. taking a quick break. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer partner of the NBA. It's just what you need to sit back and enjoy the game and they're also getting fans closer to the game than ever. You can win exclusive NBA prizes like courtside seats, signed memorabilia and more. I love Michelob because of how light it is. It's only 95 calories with 2.6 carbs. You know what the perfect time for Michelob Ultra is? A little doubleheader, a little NBA doubleheader. Right at first half of the first game. I don't know, West Coast time. That's usually about 5 o'clock, 5.30. Perfect time for a beer. You can do it. Grab a pack to enjoy today. Learn more and enter for your chance to win at MichelobUltra.com slash courtside, LDA, 21 and up. This episode is brought to you by Simply Safe. Summer is all about fun vacations, but I know that being away from home can be stressful. So many things can happen. That's why I like to recommend Simply Safe, award-winning security that can help give you peace of mind when you're away. The only thing you should worry about while you're on vacation is having too much fun. Having my home, it's great. Couldn't work better. I think Simply Safe is the best because it comes with a variety of indoor and outdoor cameras, sensors to detect break-ins, fires, floods, and more. It's backed by 24-7 professional monitoring for less than a dollar a day. It's given me, my family, many others, real peace of mind. I'm waiting to have it too. Try it out. A 60-day money-back guarantee. No contracts right now. Get 20% off any Simply Safe system with fast protect monitoring at simplysafe.com slash BS. That is Simply Safe with two S. Simplysafe.com slash BS. There's no safe like Simply Safe. One other thing I want to talk to you guys about. Uh -huh. This this new media old media thing, which I, I've been sitting out, I'm I'm more <laughs> amused by it than anything. First of all, like if you're gonna do new media, you got to start with Jalen Rose, right? Like 2006. Yeah, sure. He's on Best Damn Sports Show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He's got his own podcast. Lots of people have had podcasts, things like that. I don't know why it's gotten so confrontational. Why the where the acrimony's coming from? Yeah, because you even see with Kyrie where he, he has he does this thing recently where he's like, "You're all making money off my name and." <laughs> so are we not allowed to talk about athletes anymore? What's going on? Are we are we not allowed to isn't part of like the whole infrastructure of sports, not just watching the games, talking about the games. So I'll tell you I'll creating tell you. content about the games. Like they it's all part of the same beast. So so I'll tell you what I'll tell you what and who people are talking about. Okay. And this is not meant for me to be incendiary. I have very little feelings towards any of this. People are talking about Skip Bayless. And mm. so the reason why I'll say this is is this. There, of course, you're allowed to talk about things. You're allowed to talk about things. You're allowed to talk about athletes. You can give opinions on athletes. You can do all of that stuff. Skip Bayless, um, and to a degree, Stephen A. Smith, but less so, Skip Bayless created uh, this culture of relentlessly harping on someone or something 
for entertainment purposes. He might have not created it, but he certainly branded it over years and years and years, no matter what happens, for the sake of eyeballs, clicks, views, and entertainment. Yeah. And after a while, if you are a player, I, I could see how you would feel used. Like if you're LeBron, like if you're mm-hmm. if you're LeBron James, who is Skip Bayless's very uh, public foil, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you go out <clears throat> and you and you give you 35, 10, and, 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 and 12. You come back and you and you win or whatever. Skip Bayless, let me tell you what LeBron James did wrong last night. Let me tell you. I, w- I would understand how someone would then feel, you know what? You're not even making a good faith attempt to talk about sports, to debate sports, to analyze sports. What you are doing now is using the fact that I am a very popular person, my name and my persona, to build up your own career. That's something very specific. And I think sometimes athletes get it confused that other people are doing that when they just happen to have criticisms about them. But when they are criticizing that brand of it, I think the criticism is incredibly valid. I just don't think that's always what's happening, right? I think they look at that. Well, they, now you're in the screenshot era where people can grab out little quotes or whatever and then blow that up, and it seems like they, well, and, you've removed context and nuance. Right, mm-hmm. and so for and so for me, I don't think that there's anything wrong with saying, hey, this part of it is a little toxic, and to be honest with you... But we've known that this whole time, though, I know, but, but to be honest with you, that part of it is only getting bigger. Like it, the the sports shows went for, it went from being I used to wake up in the morning and watch Edge NFL matchup. You yeah. ever watch? So you ever watch yeah, that yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. And all they would do is sit down and break down plays because I wanted to be a more knowledgeable sports fan. Yeah. At some point, really around the time that first take took off, it became two guys sitting across from each other yelling about the embrace stuff. debate era. Yeah, mm. and then in order to do that and to keep the eyeballs coming, you had to kind of start dissing these guys. And look, I don't have any problem with dissing people if you want to diss them. Just don't get mad if you get dissed back. I never understood the Skip Bayless-Jalen Rose thing. I never did. The reason why is because, and if you guys don't remember what happened between Skip Bayless and Jalen Rose, go look at it. The only thing I never understood about that was all Jalen Rose did to Skip Bayless was what Skip Bayless does every day. And when it got done to him, he acted like somebody killed his dog. So, <laughs> right. and, so, and so when I look at this now, I do think Draymond Green crossed the line by calling Kendrick Perkins a coon. Yeah, yeah that's incendiary. The worst thing that you can call a black man. Kendrick Perkins hadn't even done anything near bouts to, 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 to deserve that. But I do think that if we're going to have a conversation about like what's okay to talk about or how you should, how you should talk about something, that it have to be some sort of decorum if we're all trying to get smarter. If we're just trying to say, hey, no matter what this guy does, he sucks. Skip Bayless and, the, and other people, they be getting on my nerves with that shit. And I can give a fuck less about any of this. <laughs> everybody, because everybody is a bunch of millionaires. So yeah. I can give a fuck less about any of it, but it gets on my nerves just to see somebody take somebody else's persona and use it as a pinata for years and years and years and years. That's ag- that's aggravating. It's weird. Yeah, I I, I think there's that part of it we're like normally when when these guys are talking about the quote unquote media they're talking about the dudes on TV they're talking about the dudes on the morning shows on Fox and ESPN the dudes not only the dudes on TV but the dudes who everybody in their life are actually watching those shows 
Like that's what the people around them watched it to like to be honest. And then they get like, texted about it. Or yeah, whatever. like the yeah. people, the people that are hitting up these athletes did not listen to me, Verrier, and Mahoney <laughs> pod on 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 Wednesdays on the Rivers right. um, NBA podcast network. They're li- they're just watching first take. They're watching the Fox shows, right? So that's the one. And I think athletes are very conscious of. In the sports media complex, the athletes are the most important people. Like they, they're conscious of of their importance in the equation, and they look at it like, "Yo, like I'm the most important part here. Like, who are these dudes to have anything to say?" And I think another thing that they just fundamentally misunderstand the job. Like they don't understand what the job of a media person is to do, and that's just to inform the fans. Like, give the fans good information, good analysis. That's it. Inform and entertain. That's that's it. That's it. All of this stuff about your ego and, like, well, we be going through stuff. It's like, all right, like, you could say, like, there's context behind a guy's performance or whatever, and maybe your dog died, and that's why you performed that, whatever. A media person's job is to just say, like, if you went 4 of 18, that's a bad game. And here's how you maybe can, you, you can, can use all can, the adjectives you want to describe it. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you know what I mean? I just think a lot of these guys just don't understand that, like, the job is to just inform and entertain. And um, they think well, and that the job is to kiss their Well, and also criticize like yeah. Kyrie. Yes. Yeah. Like, Kyrie, Kyrie, from the moment the Cleveland thing fell apart, when he went to Boston and he tried to put himself in a position as a leader, he tried to take that responsibility. And then he was a terrible leader. Sucked. And then the Brooklyn thing happened. And we're in the same spot. And it's like, if you don't think you should be criticized about that, so I don't know what to tell you. So, of course, my thing is like, don't craft a narrative. Criticize what's happening. And those are two different things. Yeah. So, T.O., I used to like this nickname, right? <laughs> T.O. was Team Obliterator. That's what Skip used to call T.O.'s my man, but if like if, if you looked at his career, you could say, ah, maybe that's true, right? Um... But Tio's a good example, by the way, because now he, because time has passed and people forget, I think now people have said he's one of the five best receivers ever. And I'm like, man, that guy destroyed multiple teams. He's still undoubtedly one of the five best receivers. Well, I'm just, but you have to factor in the, how many unhappy trails he left behind him, I think matters historically. So this is what I would say about that. So if you look at that and you say, hey, maybe there's something to that, right? My question is, what happens when he doesn't obliterate? What happens when he when he when he goes to Cincinnati and at, at his age plays out of his mind, right? And has an incredible season. Yeah. Nothing like that. What about like don't latch on to the worst parts of who you feel like somebody is right. just because you know somebody wants to hear that. I'm I don't none of these guys need their ass. We couldn't possibly kiss any of these guys' asses more than they than get it, their asses yeah. kissed already. That's, that's, we can't that's kiss their asses with anymore. The criticism, we can't, honestly. we can't, we couldn't possibly kiss their asses anymore. Just, like, don't use, and this goes for anybody. And look, I worked at TMZ. I saw this here first. I, I had celebrities that you would never in a million years think that would give two fucks about what a website said about them. Hit me up yeah. and be like, yo, man, could you tell them to use a different picture? Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, like, right. like they're, they're people. So, yo, man, could you just please tell them to use a different... Just don't... It's all good. Just don't don't use that picture, man. I look crazy on that picture. So, all I'm saying is that there's responsibility on both sides of this. And I think it's unfair for either side, whether it be old media or new media, to hey, shirk can we, the responsibility. Can we not call 
I don't like the old media or the new media. It's just media. Like, first <laughs> yeah, of all, like, like, how, how is JJ Reddick in the new media? He's retired. He's, he's one of us now. And by it, the way, JJ has been this good for a while now. Yep. It's not like this is a new thing that he's good. Richard Jefferson's been doing media for five years. Like, there's no new to this. Katie's had a podcast for two years. Yeah. I, I just, to me, it almost feels like, it, it feels like Draymond watched some NWO <laughs> documentary about when Kevin Hall and, Steve, and yeah. Scott Nash yeah. went to WCW and he's like, I'm going to do that with the media and I'm going to spray paint it, but it new media work. on the like, window. Bro, you have a job at TNT. Like, what are we talking about? There's nothing new about what he's doing. And I'm appreciative of what Draymond's doing as a player. Like, for him to go out and podcast after having a horrible game he's and losing. He's got a great podcast. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm happy he's doing that. But, like, the idea that you can do the job of informing people and offering analysis without ever, ever saying anything that can be construed as negative is, is just ridiculous. Okay, so let's go back to the conversation. Ridiculous. Like, because people don't remember, there was a whole week-long salvo at ESPN. I think you were there at this time, Bill, where they were bringing in different people to talk about name-calling to, to professional athletes. They literally did this on First Take Four. Because mm. remember, we talked about it. Was this when Richard Sherman went on? I think this is when I got suspended. Okay, so the Richard <laughs> Sherman thing was a different time. Richard, would you... <laughs> I, I was so horrified by what was happening on First Take. I tweeted about it, and then they suspended me from Twitter for a week. <laughs> And I was like, can I have the opinion that this is horrible? I guess not. <laughs> so, so, you know, you go in there, is 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 and it's it's dog, it's not like it's not funny, bro. Is West Brick, is LeBron, is Bosch Spice, is Prince James, is Tiago Splitter, it's mm -hmm. all of these things, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. If the guy wants to go on Twitter and say fuck you, don't you have to let him say fuck you? Of course. Because yes. because it's like, okay, cool. You don't you think I'm playing soft. Bosch Spice. I, I think that's what we're talking about. So when people see J.J. Reddick, who clearly knows more about basketball than Stephen A. Smith, and why wouldn't he? Yeah. He played <laughs> professional basketball for like, what, 16, 17 and years? And he actually does the homework. Yeah, so like, like so 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 why wouldn't he? People, when people see that, what they see is they go, and by the way, as far as he knows more about professional basketball, the X's and O's, ins and outs of it. But as far as basketball culture, Stephen A. Smith might know just as much, if not more, because yeah. he's covered that for a long time. But when people see him get the business, some people like it. They like it because what they, what I, I think for me personally, I just want to get smarter in life now. I'm growing weary of anything that gets in the way of that. So to me, okay, West Brick is, it might be funny to some people, and obviously putting together a, a highlight tape of, You've seen those tapes on Twitter. Of course. You've seen those tapes. That course. might be funny to some people. But seriously, I want to know right now, what about Russell Westbrook's game isn't translating to yeah. this age? Like, why is he not having success with the Lakers? Well, and he also can't play defense. Right. So I want to know, what about Wes... I want to... I, I, I like the videos and the content to where it's like, this is who West, what Russell Westbrook used to be. This is what happens now. Is there a different team dynamic in Los Angeles? I know the answer to all of these questions. Yeah. Same. Like, when I seek out information, is... There's, is there a different team dynamic that's causing Russell Westbrook to... What's the reason? Because when I'm in front of somebody... Versus just calling him Westbrook. But versus just saying Westbrook, yeah. he can't shoot. Like, Got you. Duh. So, like, so, but, 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 like, put him in a situation... Like, is there something else going on there that's, that, 
shows why the Lakers cannot succeed with him. This is this is not how it works on TV. This <laughs> is not. That's but not that's the why TV I like product. YouTube. That's what. That's why I like YouTube because yeah. I could spend one hour watching somebody analyze the yeah. same set over and over but again, and over again. The, the, that's not who these dudes are talking about. They're literally only talking about the TV product. And they're talking about the most prominent people. They're talking about Stephen A's, the Skips, and all the people. But all might... they're doing is giving them more attention. That's the part I don't it's, understand. I, I, I just think it's just like, what it's are you prof- It's about? become professional wrestling. It, bruh. And there's just certain people like I just don't want to hear it's, from. I just don't want to hear like, from. It's like, let's Kyrie. go to Draymond Green. He's bruh. with Gene Okerlund. I have a friend, a rapper named Glasses Malone. And Glasses talks about it all the time. Shout out to Glasses. Glasses is like, bruh. All these guys are doing is cutting promos, bro. Right. He was like, in rap, they're cutting promos. <laughs> in sports, he was like, I see people every day looking at the camera and talking shit about somebody else. Well, then you have the retired <laughs> NBA players. They're like the retired wrestlers. Right. Where uh, it's like Gilbert Arenas, all of a sudden Gilbert Arenas is taking shots at whoever who also hasn't played in 20 years. And it's like, what's going on? New media. New media, Bill. I, I, I look. I, I would say it's just the media. I, I, but yeah, it is just the media. In like, like anything else, I don't think every single player co- offers the exact same thing. Um, for instance, Draymond's analysis is different from Perkins' analysis, which is different from JJ, which is different from Gilbert, which is different from Richard Jefferson, which is different from you know, go on and on and on down the line. And I don't think players have a monopoly on being interesting about the game or having some great insight or any of that stuff, man. Like, I, I I just think, I just think they're being overly sensitive in public. That's just my opinion of it. And maybe I'm a biased member of the media. So, you know, you can take, take that for what it's worth. But like, I really do think the guys are just being overly sensitive and, you know, that temporary like ping of like owning somebody on Twitter, like that feels good, but it's not based on anything substantive. I don't think... It's like when Van goes in his Twitter replies and gets mad at the Ringerverse comments <laughs> for like five minutes. <laughs> nah, and then I have to text Van. Stop looking at your replies. You're allowed to have opinions on Marvel movies that don't <laughs> right. But don't jab with everybody else. So it but you know what the thing is? It's like people get and I love <laughs> the Ringerverse is doing so well. Yeah. And I and I love it so much. But people will say, people will say stuff and they'll connect it to stuff that has nothing to do with anything. It's like Van didn't like that episode. You could tell he didn't have a good relationship with his mother. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Like what? Like, for example, I talked about this on Higher Learning. I don't know how you felt about it. The Drake album dropped, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the Drake album dropped. Did you like the Drake album, Was? I do. Okay. I like it a you lot. like the Drake album? Yeah. Cool. I thought the Drake album was cool, right? Yeah. Some cool vibes for My the My son summer. liked it. Some different shit. Like, shout out Ben Simmons. Like, like, I thought the Drake album was cool. A bunch of people weren't trying to hear that shit. Yeah. Do you know the criticism to the people that wasn't trying to hear that shit was like, oh, you broke. <laughs> like, you don't like the Drake album. That's because you never go nowhere. Yeah, that's you don't travel. You don't get women. You don't, go, you don't get women. This is, this is for music. This is music for people who travel on spaceships with Kardashians and that's just not you. I'm like, yo, can you get off his dick real quick? You mean to tell me you got to qualify in order to listen, to, 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 right. to, to decide what kind of rap music you like? This right. shit is getting out of hand. And so, like, when I when I look at all of this stuff, like, the way it, 
like relate. That's, that's what will happen when you if you criticize Kyrie amongst a certain um type of people. On Uncle the Tom, people will say like, "Yo, yeah, like you 100%. just like you just saying that because 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 you wanted the sheep that took the vaccine." I'm like, can, 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 <laughs> <laughs> like, can't we just like, man, man? Shout out to Kyrie. I appreciate Kyrie so much on so many things. Can we have one disagreement yeah. without me working for the new world order? Yeah. Can we just be, can everybody just be regular? Keep your third eye open, boy. Shut up, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Van. It was great to see you. Was, <laughs> it was great to see you. We just talked Always. for three straight hours. I love it. And I'm not even tired. Yeah. We'll take a break. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay, that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. This episode is brought to you by Burger King, which has the greatest commercial song I think I've ever heard. The ultimate hunger hack has arrived, my friends. BK's Royal Crispy Wraps. Choose from four bold flavors, classic, spicy, honey mustard, and the new, drumroll please, fiery buffalo. Oh yeah, I'm getting that one. They're only, only just $2.99 each because at BK, have it your way, you rule. Try Royal Crispy Wraps at Burger King, $2.99 each. Price and participation vary, U.S. only. All right, our friend Ariel Hawani is here. You can hear him on Spotify Live before and after the biggest MMA events, as well as uh, we run those on the Ringer MMA show. He's also going to make a special appearance on the Ringer Gambling Show this week as well. You're doing a meetup in Vegas. When is that? When's the meetup? Oh my gosh, Bill. So much to discuss, so much to get to. Uh, we're actually doing three shows this weekend from Vegas. We're doing a meetup Friday night. You want me to give you the whole lineup right off the bat? Yeah, here? let's do it. Well, we big pay-per-view July 2nd. Oh my gosh, UFC 276. We could also talk about the fact that I'm going to be attending not only that, but also Money in the Bank, WWE pay-per-view. They're running same town, same night. Questionable decision, I think, by WWE. They Very questionable. It. They had to move it. It was Allegiant Stadium, and then they had to move it to MGM Grand, which I do think is the best arena in Vegas, better than T-Mobile. We could get into that if you want, but we're doing a Thursday special show before the UFC Hall of Fame at 5 p.m., Pacific on Spotify Live. We've been told we're the hottest show on Spotify Live. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Alex Cooper, this person, that no, we're bigger than all of them. We <laughs> built that platform with our hands off our back. Me, PT Carroll, Chuck Hall. we are the number one. We are the kings of Spotify Live. Uh, we asked them to change the name from Green Room to Spotify Live, and they did it on demand. We're doing a show on Thursday afternoon, then we're doing a Friday morning weigh-in show live at 9 a.m. Pacific, and then a post-fight show immediately following the main event, UFC 276, Saturday, July 2nd. We'll be doing a post-fight show all live. Then the podcast on the Ringer feed. 
and also Friday night, 7.30 Pacific at the Aria Sportsbook in Vegas meetup for the Ringer MMA crew, the community. It's going to be great. That was a great promo, except I think when you mentioned Alex Cooper, you should have worked in. They should call me daddy. I think ah, that would have, that would have Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah, that yes. good. That's my bad. That's my, I'll, I'll, I'll slide that in another time. Thank you. I'm worried about the WWE you know, for a lot of different reasons, but um, they see, I was listening to uh, Cheap Heat today and they were talking about how they're kind of at the crossroads in some ways. And I agree. You know, I, I think I, I it looks like Brock Lesnar is going to win the title again, I guess is that seems like where things might be headed. Um, they lose Cody Rhodes, right? As they're about to build him into probably the biggest baby face in the company. And I just think, you know, it's almost like the NBA, the town ebbs and flows. And it seems like we're in an ebb right now. Where do, where do you think on the state of WWE before we get to UFC? I think the, the product is very stale right now. Uh, I saw that they brought back Brock. Uh, I, I, when, I, when he came out, I think it was last Friday, I instantly fell asleep. I have no interest in seeing that match one more time. How many times are we going to see Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar? I just saw it. I was there at, in Texas. Yeah. WrestleMania, I saw it. It was boring. They built it as the biggest main event in WrestleMania history. I was personally offended by that statement. Not even top 10 biggest main events in WrestleMania history. I know the gate was big. The crowd was big. But there was it's no offensive. interest in that. It's uh, offensive. Austin coming back was bigger. McAfee was bigger. All that stuff. Anyway, uh, I have no interest. But they had to pull the rabbit out of their hat because of all those reasons that you mentioned. I think running... Look, Nick Khan is the man. I know him. President. Brilliant mind. I don't understand why he went head to head with the biggest night on the UFC calendar. Same town, same night, bigger arena announced their card after the UFC's card. The UFC was going to own that night. They always own July 4th weekend in Las Vegas. At least do it on the Sunday. Right. People stick around. It's July 4th weekend. Now you have a whole weekend. Why would you go head to head? I don't understand it. They go to MGM. The card is lackluster. Uh, yeah. And, and also, you know what I don't like? Two pay-per-views in one month. And by the way, their next pay-per-view, which is SummerSlam, is going up against the next UFC pay-per-view. Not the same town, but I don't understand this thing that they're doing where they're going up against UFC pay-per-views. I don't think that's smart for growing the business. Sunday would have been perfect. Sunday would have been perfect. Sunday. Great no one's idea. going to work on Monday. Yeah. I thought when they first announced that they were running that weekend, I was like, oh my God, this is great. Now you're giving people, all the UFC fans will stick around. They'll have fun. They'll let their hair down. Sunday, you have a reason to stay. Then they choose the same time, same place, bigger stadium, bigger venue with a lesser card. Dumbfounded. You mentioned the the Lesnar Reigns thing. The only thing I can compare it to is when Undertaker and Kane fought like 700 times. Ugh. And it's just over and over. It's like, oh, once again, the word. It's like, all right, I've seen this. I don't want to watch this again. No. And the Cody Rhodes thing was just a death blow for them. Total it really day. was. I mean, that the, they were shifting the whole company toward him for the second half of 2022. Not to mention, you know, this Vince stuff. I The way that was handled was just bizarre, where he steps down as CEO. They're going to have this investigation their board of directors are doing. And yet, at the same time, he's comes back as Mr. McMahon. On I, I just don't understand that. It's like, how do you not talk him out of doing that? Anyway. But didn't love that. Also, they lost Randy Orton. Uh, yeah. He's one of their big stars. His back is is messed up, apparently. Uh, and I couldn't agree more. Like the Cody Rhodes thing back in June was great. He gutted it out. But that's a massive blow. They've invested a lot in him. The thing is, and you alluded to this, like if Brock is really the guy to beat Roman, 
what a waste of two years. Like, that's not the guy. That's not the guy that you've done all this. Like, you've worked so hard to build Roman into the superstar that he is. And Brock doesn't need that. He doesn't need the belt. I find Brock to be stale at this point. He's over. And can I tell you what's my least favorite thing in combat sports right now? Like, the, 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 the number one, like, when I see this on television, I can't change the channel fast enough. It's Ronda Rousey. I feel like Ronda Rousey is such a dud. And yes, I've had my history with Ronda Rousey. I don't think she's a very kind person. I think the way she handled the end of her MMA career was not the best, to put it mildly. I think she is such a poor performer. So it always feels like she is playing pro wrestler when she is on television. It's and really bad. Kind of, it's really bad. It's, I, it's, I could it's not... reminiscent of when the celebrities would wrestle in like WrestleMania matches and you'd yes, be like, oh, that's a clearly celeb. a celebrity. That's the thing. She's supposed to be an actual performer. I've working. never understood it. I never really thought she had a lot of charisma. I thought the moment she got knocked out in UFC, it's just, oh, once she wasn't Tyson, right? once that mystique was gone, she's not that interesting. No, she's I don't think not a great actress. I don't think her uh, interviews are good. No. I don't think she resonates with the crowd. And I don't think they really ever figured out her character. So it's pretty rough. Plus, I, I mean, I would say this is the most tumultuous point when you think of all the wrestlers that have come and gone and coming off the pandemic and Vince is 78 years old and Steph is gone, then she's back. Triple H is gone. Now it right. might, he might be back. Cody Rhodes is here. Oh, now he's hurt again. This has to be in the running for most tumultuous time in the company, really since like the mid-90s. Right? Like the 94, 95 range. Right. And and you have competition. So like people you had are, in 94 and 95. Right. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird time. I'm not going to lie. It's a weird time. I think last summer they were on fire. Cena comes back against Reigns, SummerSlam, Allegiant Stadium. Uh, it felt like they were coming out of the pandemic. They, they, they had the, the full crowds and all this stuff. But, you know, as you know, in combat sports and pro wrestling and boxing and MMA, it's all cyclical, right? So in eight months from now, we could be like, That's remember the point. summer when they were a dud? And now they're on fire because they got The Rock coming back at WrestleMania. It's all cyclical. It always comes back. And I, I'm sure it will in this case. But it's, you know, I, it, the reason it reminds me of the mid-90s a little bit is the, the dip in talent combined with a real competitor. Right. And no, 100%. I thought on that cheap hit show, I thought they made a good point about it. AEW is also at a weird point where they have emphasized the wrestling so hard and the quality of the matches really at the expense of storytelling. And they're, they're basically just trying to, um, you know, have like the best matches, which is great. But at some point, if you want to get bigger than that, you have to figure out how to weave in the better storytelling, except for MGF, MJF, uh, oh. I, who, I who's spectacular. I mean, he's yes. like Roddy, Roddy Piper reincarnated, but for the most part, I, I don't think the storytelling has really been there with them. I don't think they're that interesting. The matches are great, though. It's a little too indie, and also they sign nine people every show. Like, how right. can they... I mean, it's like every show, it's like, oh, here's the ex-WWE guy coming out, and then the next segment, it's another, and then another. So I just feel like they've lost some of that sort of uh, touch that they had, but still, I'm very happy that there's another outlet for these guys and gals to to make more money, for sure. By the way, that's what killed WCW. Yeah. They they hit the secret sauce. They had it. They had the recipe. They had the right mix of guys. And then they just kept adding and adding and adding. And at some point, they had too many guys that lost control of narrative. All right. We're going to play a game that we play. Really, every time there's a big UFC pay-per-view now, I think that I think this has become it's tradition. Good. I appreciate it. You know, it. I, don't, I don't... 
I, we've only done it three times, but I feel like going forward, <laughs> as long as I have this podcast, anytime there's a big, I want you to come on. We're new thing called Ariel sells me on the pay-per-view. I'm in. Why you know should why? I get it? Give me, give me the top four reasons. And I don't know. Do you want to rank them from four to one or one? Let's go one to four. Give me the biggest reason I have to get this. I have to tell my wife we're not going out on Saturday night. I have to tell my son, you're fucking watching this with me. What's the number one? Why, he's not into it. He's not a fan. He's for the big ones. He is. Yeah. I okay. can get him for the big ones. Well, I, I feel like he would know a lot of these names. Uh, let me just say the reason why we do this, the reason why it works, the reason why my success rate is so high is because I do believe I am the best promoter in MMA. Like I can sell these cards, but like if you had, let's say, I don't know, I'll throw a name out, uh, Dana White for a second. Uh, I, I will sell this card to you better than he can sell it to you. Like he's going to have to read off a piece of paper. I don't. I just want to let you know, like this is all off the noggin, off the dome because I I'm love mad at so Dana. Much. He's at courtside for game five of the finals in a Celtics jersey and we got our asses kicked. So he's got some, he's got to win me over after that. If you're going to, if you're going to sit, take that prime courtside seat and wear the Celtics jersey, come back with a W. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. Also, you know, don't just show up in June. All right. Like, exactly. Where were you in round one? Yeah. Uh, round one. Where were you in November when they were sub 500? Okay. I mean, if Marcus Smart rang his doorbell right now and said, I've got your Uber Eats meal, would he even know who he is? <laughs> I question it. All right. Let me, let me just put it that way. Very uh, fair. Very okay. fair. Anyway, so, number anyway. one reason to get UFC 276 is? The most exciting fighter on the UFC roster is headlining the card. That's Israel, the last stylebender. Adesanya, he's the middleweight champion of the world. He is incredible. He dared to be great last year when he moved up to 205. He miscalculated that move. He didn't add enough weight. He lost to Yambachovic. And you can say that some of the luster was taken off his, his aura, but at middleweight, at 185, he is undefeated. He is incredible. He is the second coming of Anderson Silva, if you will. He's flashy. He's a bit of a hot dogger, but he's just such a star. He oozes charisma. You know him, right? You know yeah. Izzy. You're familiar with him. He is the headliner, and I love when they put a guy like him on this card. So this is International Fight Week. They call this International Fight Week. They do an expo. They have the Hall of Fame on Thursday night. It's the 10th annual, and usually they try to bring, you know, Connor fought Chad Mendes here a few years ago. Uh, Anderson Silva, Chael Sonnen happened. The, the July 4th weekend is kind of like their culmination, right? Their Super Bowl, if you will. So they put Izzy at the top of the bill, and he's fighting a guy who's lesser known. I'll give you that, but his name is Jared Cannonier. He's one of the most uh, hardest-hitting uh, middleweights on the roster. He's the killer gorilla. He entered the UFC, mm. by the way, at heavyweight. Then he went down to 205. Now he's fighting at 185. He's on a bit of a run. He hits very hard. He's tough. He is not afraid of Izzy. He is not in awe of Izzy, but he has never been in this spot before. He's an underdog. He's never headlined a pay-per-view. Plus 330 on exactly, Fable. Which I think is fair. He, yep. he has never fought for the belt before, but I do get the sense that he is not in awe of Izzy. Some of these guys, like Marvin Vittori last year, like I felt like they lost before the fight even happened. I don't think he's in awe of him. I just don't know if he's as good as Izzy. But to me, anytime Izzy fights, I don't care if he's fighting a broomstick, it's must-see TV. He is one of the best fighters on the planet. I have him number two pound for pound in the world behind Kamara Usman, the Nigerian nightmare who's number one. Undefeated at middleweight, Israel Desanya, he's headlining. That's your number one reason to buy this card. Now, if that- Wait, hold on. On Izzy really quick. Historically, where what are, we, what are we looking at here with him? In terms like, of all-time greats? Yeah, is he, is he tier one? Is he chance to be in tier one? Is he Mount Rushmore? Like, where is he on the list? He is on the path 
to being one of the best middleweights of all time, but you can't put him above Anderson Silva. Now, interestingly, he beat Anderson Silva two years ago. Uh, now, at this point, uh, three years ago, but yeah, Anderson that's, was past his prime. Yeah. He wasn't the champ, this and that. Anderson has all those title defenses, second behind uh, the great Demetrius Johnson. Like, he needs to put in a little more work. Uh, he needs to, you know, stick around a little more. But he so is, number so number two middleweight ever is in play. Yes, one hundred. And he needs to put in a few years before number a one couple middleweight. More years. Yeah. yeah, okay. A couple more years. He is he is really developing his game. He was a kickboxer. He came over to MMA. But to me, the thing about Izzy is that he has the whole package. He's a I mean, he's an incredible interview. He's very fun. He's a showman. His entrances are fun. He dances. He does all this stuff. He's a tremendous trash talker. His YouTube is incredible as well. The biggest shame is they don't necessarily let him be him. Uh, they make him wear these uniforms. We've talked about this before. Yeah. It drives me nuts. But he's must-see TV. He's from New Zealand. He speaks his mind. Uh, I love everything about the guy. So if our, if our listeners wanted to watch one fight that would capture him the best that's on YouTube, with him, what would you Man, go with? That's a t that's just a tough one. one. They have fifteen minutes. They they just want to watch one with him. So in September of 2020, he fought this guy named Paulo Costa in Abu Dhabi. This dude looked like I mean, he looks like the second coming of uh, the Incredible Hulk, but also looks like a male model. Like he's just an incredibly good looking guy, but he's gigantic. Like his muscles, he's got muscles on top of muscles. Uh, he's like he's like a blown up version of Rick the Model Martel, if you get what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, he just doesn't come out with the arrogance. Uh, he smoked him. Like, he absolutely smoked him. Uh, he, <laughs> at the end of the fight, uh, not only did he smoke him, like, he, like, humped him. Uh, and he did it in a very sort of derogatory way. Like, it was that embarrassing. He finished him as well. Uh, and it was a title fight. I would say that one. Also, I would say UFC 243, uh, Melbourne, Australia, October of 2019, 55,000 people in Australia rooting against him. He fought the then champion Robert Whitaker and uh, and smoked him and finished him in the second round. One of the greatest performances as a challenger in a title fight that I've ever seen. Oh. Probably second to Conor McGregor beating Eddie Alvarez at UFC 205 when Conor moved up to, to win the lightweight title. This was up there and uh, it was just amazing. Also, I just want to give a shout out to his fight before that one. He's fighting in Atlanta, Georgia against a guy named Kelvin Gaslam for the interim belt. And there's a great scene. They're going into the fifth round. He's all beat up. Like his face is puffy. The fight was probably tougher than he expected. And the camera catches him saying to himself, I'm ready to die. And like when you see that, when you see a guy wow. telling himself, I am ready to die, like that tells you who he is and what's in here. Just a fascinating individual. And uh, I can't say enough good things about him. Wow. So him getting the July 4th weekend spot the main event. Huge nod. Is that symbolic or is it just a timing because other guys didn't have the fight? Like, like, or is that like intentional? This is our biggest show. This guy has to be in this spot. It's a little bit of A and a little bit of B. Obviously, Connor's not around. He's always the guy that's going to get the nod first. Yeah, he I'm was writing in this him spot off. last year. It was, it was him versus Dustin, right? Yeah. Uh, but I would say, I mean, he is up there. He's top five biggest names in the sport. Uh, he's the one that they're putting on the ESPN banners and whatnot. So it's a little bit of timing, obviously. Uh, and there were some other names that were being discussed for this. But 
No, this is a no-brainer. The thing is, Jared isn't the biggest name, so there's not like this heat between them, so to speak. But Izzy did say two years ago, like he thought that Jared Cannonier was a dark horse in the division and was hoping that he would be able to get to this spot. So he has a tremendous amount of respect for him. And he's even been talking about submitting him, which would be crazy. I think like Izzy via submission, last I checked was like plus 2,000. And he keeps talking about submitting this guy. That would be nuts. I don't know if he pulls it off. I doubt he pulls it off, but still fun nonetheless. Interesting. Okay. All right. Give us your number two. Okay. So if you feel like that fight is a little too one-sided, like there's not enough heat there between the two, I offer you the co-main event. The co-main event is tremendous. It's absolute great theater. It's Alexander the Great Volkanovsky, who is actually Izzy's teammate. So here you have the Australian Volkanovsky who trains with the now New Zealander uh, Israel Adesanya in New Zealand, City Kickboxing, the small gym in Auckland. They've developed these great fighters. He's the featherweight champion of the world, and he's en route to being one of the greatest featherweights of all time. I still have him behind Jose Aldo, the legend. Yeah, He's fighting Max Holloway. Max Holloway has now entered this category where I think there are certain guys in the UFC who are bigger than the belt in their respective weight class. Connor doesn't need a title to be as famous as he can be. Nate Diaz doesn't need a title to be as famous. You know, there are certain guys who are just bigger than the belt, and then there are certain guys who need the belt to get over, right? Max is the type of guy who I think is bigger than the featherweight title. That being said, he's a former featherweight champion, but this is why this fight is so interesting. He's 0-2 against Volkanovski. They've fought twice before. He lost to him. He lost the belt to him in December of 2019 at T-Mobile, site of the event on Saturday, and then he lost to him again in July of 2020 in Abu Dhabi. Now, most people, including myself, thought he won in July I watched that fight. That was one of the first pandemic things we had to watch. Yes, July of 2020. That was the Masvidal Usman card where he took the fight on a week's notice. A bit of a questionable call. And he's now had to work. He's had to win two fights, work his way back up. And, and Volkanovski, I think, has gone better since that second fight. So here's, Vol- here's Volkanovski having to defend his title again against Holloway. Holloway, in the very rare spot, this rarely happens. You know this, like, the guy's 0-2 against the champion, and he's getting another crack at him. This is do or die. You lose this fight, you're not getting a fourth crack, right? Even if it's controversial, they can't do it again. And so really, really big spot for him. Volkanovski just had a fight in April, smoked the Korean zombie. Like it wasn't even close. It looked like a sparring match. He's done really good. Former rugby player, used to weigh 211 pounds, played rugby in Australia, now weighs 145. And not the biggest personality, not an Izzy type of showman, but has become one of the best fighters on the planet. So my top three, again, like overarching, my top three pound for pound right now, Kamara Usman, number one, Israel Adesanya, number two, Alex Volkanovsky, number three. So two of the best three fighters on the planet, regardless of weight class, are fighting on this card. And Holloway is probably number six or seven. And wow. so you have a situation where number three is fighting. That never happens. That two guys in the top 10 are fighting for the belt in their respective weight class. So this is a big deal. It's a grudge match. They don't like each other. They've gone back and forth. Oh, if, there's if, no love lost? Oh, no. You no didn't tell lost. me that. No, sorry. Yes, I, I, I buried the lead, as they say in the business. Jesus. No love lost. In fact, I had... Holloway on my program yesterday, and he never says his name. It's a very weird thing. He never actually says Volkan. Every time he talks and refers to Volkanovsky, he calls him him. He. It's a very weird thing where I feel like he almost mm. feels like he's beneath him, and he doesn't want to put him over. You know, give him the rub because Max, without the belt, is even a bigger star than Volkanovsky. Yeah. And Volkanovsky is the one who has to keep calling him out as the champion. It's a weird dynamic, but this is the fight that I think could 
put Volkanovsky over, give him that shine, get him. If he can win decisively, they've gone the distance twice and not let this go to the judges. This could put Volkanovsky up there as one of the biggest stars in the sport. He's two to one, two to one favorite. Yep. KO is plus 380 for him. Yeah. You like that one? I, li- I like it via decision. I, I okay. just think there's two guys. I mean, they just know each other so well. That's plus think, 115. Yeah. I right. Here's the one thing that I'll say. I'll wait Max, for your verdict on Thursday. Max has taken a lot of... Max wins, but he takes a lot of damage when he wins. Like that's, And he's young. Uh, I just, I worry about the amount of damage that he takes. Volkanovski doesn't take a lot of, you know, damage. He doesn't get hit a lot. So I'm a little bit worried about that. And I think Volkanovski is getting better over time. Like he's still improving as champion, which so is very rare. Max is too young to qualify for my bet against the old fighter who's still getting the respect theory. Serena Williams today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, minus 350 or something loses in round one. It's like, Oh, Serena can't lose in round one. It's like, no, nope, this is what happens. In these solo sports, the last couple of years are always way rougher than I think we realize. Oh, yeah. But Max I mean, is too young for that, I think. I mean, he's 30, but he's been around for, I mean, like he started when he was 18. So, well, so he's, he's, he's really 36 in MMA years? 1,000%. Yeah. He's not showing it, but I think at some point it kind of hits you, right? Does it happen in this fight? I don't know. But even in his last couple of fights where he looked great, he still took a lot. He still absorbed a lot of shots. Yeah. At some point, I think that catches up to you. All right. Give us reason number three. Okay. So I'm going to actually jump around here and I'm going to go further down the card to give you reason number three. There's a guy who is soon, I think a lot of people think, and I think the UFC is banking on this, going to be in that Izzy sort of territory. Mm. And that's a guy named Sugar Sean O'Malley. Oh, I like it. Yeah, I'm in on him. Oh, he's a he's a big time star. He's got the look. He's got the massive hair. He's got the afro. It's multicolor. He likes to smoke weed. He's just he he speaks to, you know, I, I'm sure your son knows who he is. I'm sure your son is a fan. He speaks to that generation. He speaks to the younger crowd. Very smart at marketing himself. And he's probably fighting the biggest test of his career thus far. A guy named Pedro Munoz, who has been there, done that definitely on the downside of his career. So it's a tough test. Here's the thing with Sean. What I love about him is he doesn't get paid a lot. He knows he doesn't get paid a lot. And he has been criticized for taking kind of easier matchups. And he actually comes out and says, if they ain't going to pay me to fight tough guys, why would I fight tough guys? What, if you're going to pay me 50K, I'm going to fight 50K level talent. So, okay, he just got a new contract. Congrats to him, Mazel Tov. Now he's going to move up and fight a guy named Pedro Munoz. This is the fight where I think you say, all right, get by him. He's a top 12-ish type of guy. Now we could start talking about you fighting these big fights. And maybe this time next year, you're in that conversation where you say you should be, which is among the title contenders at 135. But his fights are never boring. He's a showman. He always delivers. Uh, it's it's unclear right now where he's fighting on the card because Misha Tate was supposed to be on the main card, but it got moved around. Here's a little tidbit for you. The prelims for the first time ever are airing on ABC. How about that? Did you ever think 15 years ago ABC would be showing UFC prelims? They're airing for the first time on Saturday, so they might want to put them on the prelims to give them the ABC bump. Which I remember I think would make when a lot ESPN more sense. was calling it human cockfighting, basically behind right? the scenes. Now ABC is going to run it. Now ABC is running it. Amazing. Um, so anyway, Jesus. yeah. So I I actually think that they should put them on the ABC prelims because 
let's be honest, more people are going to watch the prelims than the pay-per-view just by virtue of the fact that it's on you know broadcast television. Uh, but yeah, the Sugar Show is must-see. And the fact that he is fighting his most accomplished opponent to date, he did fight a guy named Cheeto Vera back in the day, but he hadn't been, you know, he wasn't as accomplished as he was back then. Anyway, semantics to me is uh, is very interesting theater. All right, rush through number four because then okay, I have sir. one, I have a Knicks thing. Don't look at Twitter. Oh, Jesus Christ. I have Christ. some Knicks breaking news. So rush through number me? four and then we'll do My some Knicks breaking news. My heart is now. Yeah, don't look. Okay, fine. Uh, I, I thought we were going to lead with the Jalen Brunson era. Uh, commenting. No, we're going to end with that, but. Okay, okay. Um, uh, now you've now you've okay. Number four is <laughs> number four is a very interesting middleweight fight. I love when they do this. So there's a dude named Sean Strickland, Bill, who is just like I, honestly, I don't know how he gets away with it. Former neo Nazi. <laughs> this Jesus, is like former. Would, yes, Data would never tell you this part. Former neo Nazi guy openly talks about like having thoughts and dreams about murdering people. Like he is just crazy. Wow. Crazy. But he's a very good fighter, <laughs> if I could be yeah. honest. He, he's fighting a guy named Alex Pajeda, who in kickboxing, in glory kickboxing, has two wins, including knockout against two, against two, Israel Adesanya. Brazilian, Jesus. hands of stone, that's what they call him, has two wins in kickboxing, including a knockout over Israel Adesanya. And everyone believes if he could get by Sean Strickland, the crazy Sean Strickland, that they're going to do the grudge match Izzy versus Pajeda three, but in MMA. Izzy has said he wants him. Pajeda says he wants him. This fight is on the uh, pay-per-view card. Pajeda is a terrifying man. He is one of the craziest knockouts that I've ever seen two years ago in a promotion called LFA. If you want to see who could be next for the title, and this is a personal fight for Izzy because he hates when people bring it up, watch that fight on the pay-per-view. Sean Strickland, Alex Pajeda. And I think... Even odds almost. Even odds, yeah. It's, it's a tough one. Strickland's even to win. The other guy's a little bit higher favorite. All right, those are four good ones. Okay, now we're audibly into the Knicks really quick. What do we got? By the way, Spotify Live, you can hear the, uh, you can hear in your dudes and the whole thing. I'm so nervous right now. Spotify Live, Ringer MMA, Ringer Gambling Show, we'll have some odds. So the Knicks, they dumped some salary. They traded Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks to the Pistons. Oh. They've unloaded 19 million more in salary. They sent Detroit a second rounder. Um, and now it seems like Brunson is happening. I'm in, but maybe even more because now, now they're like, I don't know, over 30 million under the cap. Well, I thought, how do you feel about mortgaging the future for Jalen Brunson? We talked about this earlier in the podcast. I like Jalen Brunson. I think he's an asset. It's just like after three years, thought you would have maybe one star by now. Well, I just want to say I thought they won the draft last week. Don't believe anything anyone tells you. I thought they oh, hit a grand slam. What a zag. It was I've fantastic. I take it. This is amazing. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. I thought Leon Rose was wheeling and dealing. It was great stuff. Don't believe. <laughs> I hate when they go. They, it's so lazy. Oh, let's go to Stephen A. Crying about the No, enough of this crap. All right. There's a bigger yeah. picture. Clearly something is happening here and we just need to be a little patient. All right. Uh, let's not forget what happened two years ago at the Garden. I'm all in on Brunson. I think he's fantastic. I think he has, you know, I mean, he has tremendous potential. He has not nearly hit his ceiling. Uh, of course, I remember his father, the great Rick Brunson, back in the 90s. Yeah. 15th, 12th man of the Knicks days, you know, back then. Uh, they've recently hired him. So that felt like a sign of things to come, right? Uh, yes. I, 
we haven't had a point guard in God knows how long. Of course, we thought that Kemba was going to be the guy. I don't, I don't know. You All you have to do is ask any Boston fan who watched him for the previous couple of years. I'm trying to think who your last... what Who's your last point guard that you felt awesome about? Well... You're always getting people like at the tail end of their careers yes. or the like the Stefan Marbury who's supposed to be the savior and they're not. Hated that. Hated Chris that Childs, trade. Greg Anthony. Chris Childs was good, by the way. Don't don't hate Chris it. Childs Chris Childs in 99 was good. He was tremendous. Yeah. Punch Kobe. Uh, listen, I did think that Kemba was going to turn back the clock. Like uh, it, it's there. The tweets are there. I really did believe that it was going to work out. Unfortunately, it didn't. We can't forget about the great Jeremy Lin. Uh, that was mm. tremendous. Yeah, you that know, was he, a nice two two month run. <laughs> no, but he was amazing. That was that was, was really amazing. fun. I'll never forget it. It was like the happiest two weeks of my life. Uh, no, I mean Charlie Ward, uh, Mark Jackson. Era. I mean, it's been a wa- long time. Rod Strickland. Prior to that, like we we, we Rod just Strickland was good. Had, you know, Mo Cheeks here. Mo Cheeks. Yeah, uh, they probably gave up on on Jackson a little too soon. Um, Sarudi yeah, no. did a. A tweet from Ryan McDonough. The Knicks have the most cap space in the league right now. And Ryan McDonough thinks it's likely they get Brunson and another free agent in the 10 to 15 million range. They also might be able to dump one more person and try to get two free agents. I wonder if they're First thinking all, DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he, he's not bad. I, I don't like he's the way it ended though. over there. Listen, anyone who's butting heads with Monty Williams, who I think is like one of the greatest right. human beings. It's not a it's, great side. To me, it's very, it's, it's, it's a red flag. I'll just say this, like getting rid of Ner- that Nerlens contract was, I mean, a massive blunder. Uh, don't like that deal at all. Burks had a nice run two years ago. Last year, he sucked. Uh, clearly, things need to change a little bit. Last season was just- Don't a- you love when your team makes a bunch of mistakes and then a year later- has to then extricate themselves from those mistakes and it feels like a win. And it's like, wait, you guys put us in that position. I know. It's like, hey, good news. We've gotten rid of the Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel contracts. It's like, you mean the ones you signed 12 months ago? I know. And those? then we well, but those were feel good signings. Those were thank yeah. yous for that right. season that we had. They're thanking you. Right. The, the biggest question, though, like none of this, Matt, if, if Julius returns as he did last season as opposed to two years ago, it's all for, like we need Julius to return to form. And by form, I mean, the question is like, was 2020, 2021 an anomaly or was last year just a setback for him? That's what I don't know. I think we'll find out once and for all. Like, was that year, like, can he be as good as he was two years ago or was that the anomaly of his career? What do you think? I think it was too weird and I would rather bet on the fact that he was really good two years ago than thinking last year was the guy that he now is. I think yeah. people can just have a weird year every once in a while. So I, I would rather, like I want to see it. You don't think he can return to that level of play? I think it's possible. That's what I'm saying. I, like, I would rather bet on the possibility he can be the guy he was two years ago over just writing this off because right. he was bad last year. With that said, if the Lakers offered me Westbrook and a 2029 protected first for Randall, and I could just get out of the Randall deal and have a clean slate a year from now. I would think about it. God, I would I think about it. To do with Westbrook. Nothing to do with Westbrook, Kyrie, none of these guys. Well, Kyrie's like, different. Yeah, that's, I mean, that now you're ruining your, you know, the, he's a chemistry murderer. Right. He's not even a chemistry killer. He's a murderer. Because I think murderer has stronger connotations. He's a chemistry okay. murderer. Who would you rather be right now? Uh, yeah. Leon Rose or Sean Marks? Well, Sean Marks still has 
KD, who's still one of the best five players in the league. Yeah, but you got the murderer on your squad. You know, the, the yeah, chemistry you can, murderer. You can, chemistry murderer, you can still trade in February. You have Ben Simmons, who at least has trade value, worst case scenario. You have Seth what Curry. You have Joe Harris. You have Steve Nash, who I think still is a good coach. I'd rather be the Nets. I'd still rather be the Nets. Really? From a roster standpoint. Yeah. Because you guys have Brunson. RJ Barrett. RJ Barrett, quickly. Maybe Randall. Toppin. Toppin. I like Toppin. You made some strides. Yeah, it's tough. I mean, Durant, I think, is still a trump card. Worst case scenario, you can trade Durant for like a shitload of stuff. If it really Thank you for my biggest basketball hot take, which you won't care about, but I just want to say it for the Let's record. The Canadian men's basketball team is going to win a medal in 2024. You know, I was looking at them. They're really loaded. That squad? They have like a nine-man rotation now. It's incredible. Jamal who was Murray. The guy, who was the guy in this current draft who was secretly oh, Canadian? Uh, um, uh, Mathurin from uh, Arizona. Yeah. Drafted by the uh, Pacers from Montreal. That should be a website. Secret Canadians. People you just don't realize are actually Canadian. And then all of a sudden they're on the Canadian national These team. These guys are great. Uh, Clark, Dylan Brooks didn't show up, but uh, RJ Barrett. Uh, we got, you know, like the, the, um, the Kelly Olynyk's of the world, but like this, uh, yeah, but Kelly Olynyk, that's a good Olympic player. Yes. She, she, SGA. Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Your um, team's loaded. Lou Dort. I mean. Lou Dort? He's a secret Canadian? Yes. Montreal guy. I didn't realize I think that. Bronze at worst, but I think we can make a run for silver or gold in 2024. I can't wait. Well, listen. Andrew Wiggins. Let's not forget. Maple Jordan. Andrew Wiggins. Winner. Incredible. Winner. MVP of the finals. Got robbed. <laughs> it's another hot take. Uh, <laughs> all right. So UFC 276 and you're yes. doing a bunch of stuff. Go check out Ringer MMA. Go check out Spotify Live. Go check out Ringer Gambling Show. Go meet uh, you and the crew at Aria. Yeah. Right? 7.30 like Friday. Are you a big Aria guy? I, I All these casinos are the same to me. Yeah. I will be there 7.30 Pacific, hanging out for the whole night at the sports book. So do whatever you have to do. And uh, listen, you, you want to put a future on the Bills winning the Super Bowl? I won't hate you. Okay. We'll talk about that. Remember well, the that. The odds are like, you, you're not even getting good odds anymore. It's okay. Just, you know. For, you know where you get good odds on though? Mac Jones for MVP. Yeah, right. Get out of here with that. Have you seen Skinny Mac with his nice, nice strong jaw? He's eating correctly. He's lifting. It's looking I'm great. Putting, I'm setting the line at six wins. I'm taking the under. <laughs> All right. Enjoy the uh, enjoy the event. Say hi to everybody. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're just you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside. Do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid, featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh, my God. 
The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. All right, our friend Alan Yang is here. Had to get a distraught Lakers fan <laughs> on here at some point. Did it Did it really sink so low for the Laker fan base that they were trying to talk themselves into Kyrie? Yeah. That's like a thing that was happening out here. Uh, I, by the way, I get your scheduling bill. Bill texts me. He's like, you want to hop on the pod? I'm like, this is a schadenfreude pod. This is, like, this is, I mean, but what a mess, right? I mean, what a mess. Like all that Kyrie stuff. And I was, I was talking myself, not only talking myself into it, I kind of thought it was going to happen. I thought this guy well, was going to give up $30 million. It still might. Yeah. His it's only a- leverage was he had already proven to the Nets that he was so erratic and so strange that he might actually give up 80% of his salary just to play for the Lakers for yeah. the point. Cause he did that last year, right? He played 26 games. He proved the point. So the nets, I think, I think they just kind of stared at each other and then it's like, nah, you're not going to do that. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they were right. Uh, yeah. But I mean, to answer your question, it's, it's sad. I mean, look, we all know that Westbrook trade didn't work out. Uh, anything to get him off the books, anything to replace him. I don't think, you know, look, Kyrie is a is a weird guy to have on your team, but you know he can play basketball when he's on the court, right? He can play basketball when he's on the court. So I think that was the sort of hail mary. Like you said, maybe it's not over. I, you know, who knows? But it's not good. This feels like another lost season. I mean, it's kind of a bummer because we're seeing you know the greatest or second greatest player of all time, and he's just kind of squandering amazing thirty seven year old, thirty eight year old seasons. Like if he plays like yeah. he did last year, that's incredible. We've never seen that. But it's kind of going to waste. And again, I, I feel like part of the, you know, if you, you want a slice of the blame pie, you got to talk about AD too. Because remember two years ago, we were like, AD is on the level with Jokic and Embiid. And now he's just, it's just his body, right? His body gave up on him and they have him on a long-term deal. And, and look, if you had Jokic or Embiid on your team, like, yeah, we're contenders every year, but AD's not that guy. And prove me wrong. I, I hope he's in shape and he just, you know, play 65 games this year, but I just, I, I have my doubts, you know? I like when he does the thing about when he goes through each injury and how each one was a fluke injury, basically. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what fans do though. Literally like, yeah. it's like you're talking yourself into it. It's like, you know, you guys always use analogies of like a, someone you're dating, you know, behaving yeah. strangely or whatever. And it's like, but you know, once it's everything, it's, he's always Mr. Glass. It's, it's, it's a Mr. Glass situation. It's just such a bummer. Cause if he ever put it together, like he did in the bubble, you know, my friends joke, my Laker fans are like, yeah, all we need is like another bubble, just like another another season long bubble with no fans and just like a hermetically sealed bubble. We'll win another title. <laughs> it's like AD and Braun together. You know, it's like, it's an old I, man and a fragile guy. That's a surreal part of this whole thing, right? Like all the assets you gave up in that trade and the one year that it really paid off, the season just stops and yeah. then they go off to Florida and nobody gets to go to the games. There's yeah. no parade. Yeah, and that was and the payoff, basically. They never got a parade. I, I mean, they're still they're still complaining about that. I get it, but you know, look, you always say you get the ring, banners, banners fly forever. It's worth the trade. But it, if you look forward, I, I've done this. I went, I did my research. I went on spot track, right? So Russell Westbrook, let's say they keep him or they trade him, whatever, and and he's off the books. You know, whatever they clear the decks, they they let him play out one year. Here's who's a free agent in 2023: LeBron. <laughs> James right. Harden, he'll he'll probably sign the extension, so not him. Russ, Chris Middleton, he's not going anywhere. Kyrie, we'll see. 
Kristaps Porzingis, Kevin Love, Andrew Wiggins, Jokic. He's not going anywhere. D'Angelo. The point being, there's no one to get in 2023. It's just going to be pieces again. There's no, there's no big fish. That keeps being the plan, right? Just get big fish, big fish. But there's no one in 2023 they can get. So what's the future? You know, it's, it's just a bummer. Well, and then the big picture question, because I, I feel like we're heading towards some sort of Westbrook Kyrie trade with the Lakers throwing in these assets, right? And the assets, they can only really trade the 27 and 29 picks or they can do pick swaps, whatever. Yep. The it, question is, do you do that? You bring Kyrie in, you still can't guard anybody. You have only three guys still at that point, plus like a bunch of role players you cross your fingers with. You're not going to be able to get stops defensively. And Kyrie is erratic. And that that's like the nicest way I could probably put it. I could put it in a lot more meat. Uh, yeah, ways, exactly. Let's Kyrie's let's be, super erratic. Like let's he be might charitable. show up and be really weird. He also, might. Kyrie played last year in the playoffs. They got swept. And I thought the Celtics handed him his lunch the last three games. And that that part seems like it should matter too, that he's a smaller guard. You can hunt him on defense. Um, offensively, like the playoff stats. They're not like incredible since the 2017 finals, you know? I mean, do you, do you want to max Kyrie Irving? He's a small guard over 30. No. Forget the off the court stuff. He's a small guard over 30. He's an incredible shot maker. He's really fun to watch. But do you want him? I mean, no one, want, no one wanted to trade for him. He wanted to be traded. <laughs> no one nobody, wanted to trade. Nobody, want, nobody made an offer. He made a list of the six sign and trade teams. And other than the Lakers, everybody else was like, cool. And, uh, no, thank you. And it's exactly what you're saying. The Lakers are extremely desperate because it's yeah. LeBron has, you know, how many years can LeBron play like this? One more year, two more years. If there's these, these, I mean, I'm bummed out. Obviously you can tell I'm a Laker fan. I mean, we, we saw what happened last year, you know, they made their own bed. They traded for us. They, they could have just run it back with Caruso, KCP and, and Kuzma. Why not do that? Yeah. Why not well, do that? I mean, we know why, but you know, it's, it's the move now is you just keep everything. You take Russ into the season. You pretend you're happy about it. And he's an expiring contract the moment the season starts. And then you just got to do that dance. See what you can get out of him for three months. And then once it gets to like February, all, all of a sudden, 10 teams are unhappy with their teams. You never know. That's I when you can grab somebody. Right now, it's like the Kyrie thing does not make sense. To me. I think you're right. I think that's just... And, and by the way, Poor Darvin Ham. It's like they blame Vogel. <laughs> they trade Vogel. I, it's like, I don't think Vogel's the problem here. I think, like, Poor I hope Darvin Ham's great, but you know, Darvin Ham's going to come in and 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 you know, coach Russ up. And 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 you know, look, Russ was a great player. He's just not that guy anymore. So, you know, I, I it's it's uh, it, it's not good. And by the way, like, you know, look at look at what Boston has right now. Just I, I we don't talk about Boston, but it's like. It's just like young, athletic, defensive players and just guys on rookie, not rookie deals, but, you know, guys on reasonable deals. And, yeah. and it's just, are we seeing a change in the construction of teams? Like, even look at the Warriors. It's not three stars and Flotsam and Jetsam. It's really one star. It's 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 Steph. And then Dre and Clay are not what they used to be, but they're, you know, Dre was pretty amazing the last couple of games. And then it's just kind of long, rangy, Defenders. I mean, it was like Wiggins. Yeah. I mean, Wiggins, you know, played really Wiggins well. Was but, great. but are we seeing a different like is the old star model? I only say this as a Laker fan because the Lakers always built around, hey, we got two big max guys. We got Shaq and Kobe, or we got, you know, Kobe and Powell. I mean, that was a little bit of a different team, but 
they're or LeBron and AD, and that's two max guys, and we'll just build around that, and we'll just find minimums. What is that changing because of the way the game's played and everything's switched? And you need lengthy defenders. Like that's all I see now is big wings, right? Big defensive wings. I think that's part of it. I think there's just way more talent. And you look at the Warriors and the Celtics and even a team like the Heat that just has like these dudes like Max Struess just coming coming out of nowhere all of a sudden they're good. I look back at that 2008 range, right? Like you guys made the finals in 08, the Celtics win. But think about the guys you had in that series. Like Vujicic played real minutes. (laughs) Radmanovic (laughs) played like real minutes. That's right. Vujicic was hitting clutch free throws. The machine. All this after Vujicic. We had like, you know, Eddie House was out there in these big moments and guys that were like really specialists and that's it. The league just seems like those guys now, those seventh, eighth, ninth guys, they're guys like Gary Payton now. They're guys who are like (laughs) these elite defenders. Or for us, it was Derek White and Grant Williams. And I guess Payton Pritchard, that's where it starts to fall off a cliff a little bit. But it just seems the league seems deeper to me now. You're right. And, And Grant Williams was reputably defending Kevin Durant. I mean, and Giannis. Like, that's, and Giannis, that's Giannis. Yeah. I mean, that's ins- and he's your eighth man, maybe, you know, it's like, and he was hitting corner threes. So if you don't have those guys, the problem with the Lakers, I mean, we all know the problem last year. They just didn't have any wing size players. And that's what, that's well, what you could defend. They couldn't yeah, do anything. Exactly. Now you're in, you're in this conference that all these other teams have really good stars in depth. I just think the era of here are two guys we've kind of filled out the blanks around them and we can contend for a title now. I think that era is over. Yeah. It, it almost doesn't matter. We, I mean, we saw it with Brooklyn a little bit too. I mean, James right. was no longer what he was, but you, I, I mean, look, you look at the team of paper, it's like, how could they not win the title? They've got essentially two MVP caliber players and Kyrie, of course, you know, James fell off a bit, but you know, but they just couldn't make it work with the men guys. People got hunted. That's the other thing is like with the new ball movement, you know, Kirk yeah. Goldsberry's, you know, uh, you know, all that stuff, it, it's, it, you'll get, you get played off the floor. Peyton Pritchard will get played off the floor unless he's scoring like a maniac because you can, you can hunt him defensively. That's what and the that's Celtics what are doing to Kyrie. Yeah, exactly. You know, they that, were hunting that Kyrie. Goes back to my Kyrie point with the Lakers. Like, I, I've just never totally understood it. They don't need more offense. They need, you look at what succeeded for them in 2020. It was like they had these two exceptional offensive players and then really smart role players who could defend and they were tough. Yeah. And Kyrie's not helping that. No, it was like, you need like prime Danny Greens. You need, you know, yeah. like they had a younger Danny Green a couple years ago and they, they had Caruso and they had, you know, that's super valuable. It's just super valuable. We saw it in the Celtics series all in the East, right? That that's, those guys were, were playing, were able to guard the, the superstars and at least well, do it reputably and switch, 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 right? Think about the last two Kobe titles. You get a reason, one of them who pops basically out of nowhere. They made a great trade and they were able to get him. And he all of a sudden is playing these big minutes. And then the next year, you know, they they basically go to the discount store and get our test. Yeah. Kind of hoping, kind of <laughs> keeping your fingers crossed and hoping that this lunatic is going to be able to hold up for eight months. And he did. And the he be- made like huge shots. The no, best no, 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 yes shot in Laker history, oh my God. maybe. I mean, we don't need to relive that. I don't even put you through that memory, but... But I think that era is over of like, hey, if we get this one guy and it's a flyer, but if it works out, it'll flip everything. Now it's like it's three guys. It's not one. I think Miami is a great analogy for this, too, because it's like, yeah, where like Duncan Robinson falls off. They 
Max Drews plug, they plug him in and he's great. It's like, what? Like, how did this even happen? Or Oladipo just like kind of working his way back. It's like, let's throw him out there. He was yeah. the top 15 guy three years ago. Yeah. So yeah, so I was like, looking at the free agent list and it's like staggering to me how many good guys that are that would help the Celtics. Like literally there's 20 guys where I was like, wow, he would play 20 minutes for us. Yeah. You know, and that, that just like in 2012, this is a good example of the Celtics. We had like Macau Pietras <laughs> and just people where, you know, big baby Davis played big minutes for years for the Celtics. And you're just I, like, your fingers are crossed that you can get anything out of those guys. People, I mean, Lakers were playing Slava Medvedenko, you know, you're right? Just, uh, Ukraine train. Like, yeah, yeah, right. he's, he's playing, he's playing. Uh, but I don't know. It, it, it just feels like, you know, big picture for Laker fans. Um, I think the toughest thing is it's, it's, you know, I, I like to frame it as we're underdogs. It's a mom and top pop shop. <laughs> underdogs, pop shop. I like it. It's just, you know, Jeannie Buss, look up Jeannie Buss's net worth, 500 mil. Look up Steve Ballmer's net worth. Right. $100 billion. So which team should be better? You know, it's like, right now, look, I think you could say that the, the happy compromise is just kind of the Warriors, right? They're, they have a culture and they're spending money. And they seem to have a smart, smart sort of management team. You know, they had, it's, it's, you know, me, I wrote, I used to write for a blog that was kind of a money ball themed. Yeah. The Lakers don't seem to be doing that <laughs> and no. they're not big, they're not deep pocketed. So now what are you doing? It's like, they're not the Oakland A's and they're not like the Yankees they don't have the money either. So it's like, yeah, I wish we did have, look at the Dodgers, right? They're doing both. Andrew Friedman, well, their ownership. It's like, it's crazy. Like, yeah, the Dodgers have kind of shifted places with the Lakers in a lot yeah. of ways. They're, they're the big money LA team every year, but yeah. I I don't really blame Jeannie. She doesn't have the resources in some ways, right? She doesn't have as much money, so you know it's kind of like a local Mexican restaurant going up against Taco Bell. It's just you know it's a, it's it's an underdog. All right, story. Now you're getting carried away. <laughs> Come on, they make so much money from tickets. I know, no, I'm I'm joking. And the TV. I'm, I'm joking. This is copium, but it it is just like you know it's <laughs> it's just uh it's what can you do? Look, we have LeBron. You, you watch him play, you hope AD's healthy and you'll have a little bit of fun watching the team that those guys are playing. But that's the, that's the problem, right? It's like, they just, they don't have any ability to build a team without him. It's all going to be vet men guys. It's vet men guys, Austin Reeves and Wayne and Gabriel. Like that, that's like Stanley Johnson, right? That's, that's tough. That's, that's what we were looking at last year. And, and that's, uh, that's tough. I like your, um, I like your move, your PR move of, the Lakers refashioning themselves as scrappy underdogs that don't have the checkbook of Steve Ballmer and the Warriors. This is smart. I, I'm a writer. Just, you know, reframe the narrative here. You this know, it's great. Just, they're underdogs. They're just underdogs. They have the big bad Warriors, big bad Clippers, all these teams with money. Like, it's like, you know what? It's just one, one poor woman against the world. She's relatively poor as an NBA owner. <laughs> Jane is like, didn't you guys see winning time? My dad had to leverage everything just to buy yeah. this team. It's a dude. Her dad, yes, her dad didn't own Microsoft. <laughs> her dad right. Was like, yeah, her dad this was like smart. a kind of rich guy. The Clippers are building their own arena, and we can't. We don't we have can't. the resources. We got it. We're betting on crypto. <laughs> <laughs> right. Put all our money in crypto. By the way, those checks might start uh, start bouncing. Yeah, soon. are we going to see crypto.com come down? Is it going to be like Chipotle Arena or something soon? Because uh, <laughs> crypto.com. Chipotle Arena sounds great. I mean, but... So just the sound of it's making me hungry. Speaking of obscene wealth, so you do this new show that you co-created on Apple. It's yeah. called Loot. And there is obscene wealth. I This is, I feel like the era of TV shows that can dip into the obscene wealth world. And we could just see these huge yachts on our HD TVs. And it just looks like 
decadent and awesome. And like these giant, what was the house you used in this show? It's like a $120 million house. Yes. It's so it's this house called the one, the show stars Maya Rudolph. It's on Apple TV. And, and, uh, she plays someone who divorces her husband and inherits $87 billion. Uh, and this house, uh, was the largest, it's the largest mansion in LA. It was listed at $500 million, legendarily the sort of highest property listing of any you know, residential place in And it has history. its own nickname. Yes, it's called The One. And this house has six swimming pools. It has a nightclub. It has a private theater, a bowling alley, a candy room that's outside the, the, the movie theater in case you need candy before you go watch your movie. Um, it's so big that we not only didn't shoot all six pools, I think we shot like three of the pools, we used other parts of the house for other locations in the show. It's 100,000 square feet. So, yeah. You know it's a big house when it has a nickname. It has a nickname. Like Graceland, a, Neverland, yeah, the one. Pro- like, you know, you've really, you really made it at that point. Yes. I, it's, how do you rent a house like that? And why don't the people live there? Or is, that, is it just like they're just renting it out to things like your show? Yes. I think one of the most obscene things, and to be clear, anyone listening to this, the show was not sort of, uh, you know, worshiping billionaires. It has something no. to say about what, you know, yeah, yeah, why yeah. people have this money. However, but you have to go into the world of exactly the super rich. They, you're trying to have your cake and eat it too. It's a little bit escapist. You're going to see these yachts, private jets. She's an enormous private jet that whatever we, we rent it and stuff. But the, you know, this house, it, it, this is the problem. You go into this house and it's crazy. It looks like a museum, but you also feel a little bit sick because you're like, look, 400 people could be living here. And instead, (laughs) there isn't even one person living here. It's empty. It's literally empty. And like, we're renting out for a TV show, but you know, that's the problem. There's these empty properties. It's just people. Some people are too rich. They're so rich. They can buy this house and not even need it. So that kind of, when you were in that house, my co-creator, Matt Hubbard was like, I, it was interesting to go there. And it was like, wow, cool. We're shooting this property. We're there with Maya and Adam Scott. And, you know, it was really fun to be there in some respects, but then in other respects, you're like, this is disgusting. So that, you know, that's kind of that, that's kind of the tension in the show as well. And that's kind of some of the, you know, as, as Molly, the character uh, Maya plays, you know, goes throughout the show, she kind of learns some lessons about that, like humanity and like getting outside her bubble. Well, so you, can you tell the story about how you got the idea? Uh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. We were, we just wanted to make a show with Maya. Uh, me and Hubbard had made a show called Forever uh, with Maya and Fred Armisen, and we just really enjoyed working with both of them. And we were trying to think of an idea for Maya. And, um, you know, look, billionaires were in the news. This was a couple of years ago. And it was like, look, income inequality, late stage capitalism, the, you know, the obscene wealth was totally, you were looking at these people's, like, remember during the pandemic, it was like, you know, these guys' wealths were, they were, they were doubling. And it's like, people are starving and these guys' wealths are just going out. Of, I, I don't think wealth is grammatical, but whatever. Um, it was just spiraling in such a way that, you know, Hubbard texted me the idea like, okay, Maya plays a woman who gets divorced from her husband and is left with nothing but $87 billion. I was like, that's an idea. Like, that's an idea. And Maya is the perfect person to play it. Um, so she brings, you know, uh, somehow trying to make this character, if not likable, like, uh, there's a relatability because she's building her life over again and she's been broken up with and she invested in this person who became very wealthy, but you know, ultimately she was just a plus one. She was an appendage and, and, and it's about her kind of finding a purpose in life and, and, and again, discovering what it's like to be a normal human being as opposed to a crazy rich person. And the guy she divorced is Adam Scott who Adam's- pulled off the rarely seen, I don't know how many people have been able to do this. Maybe Richard Gere, that's it cheated on in Big Little Lies and then the cheater in this show. 
Not, not many people can go both ways where it's like, I totally believe that that guy got cheated on. He was he obviously wasn't carrying his weight. And then I totally believe that guy's totally fucking everybody. That's How a great, do it? I, I got to text Adam that like, cause the, I thought you were going to say, this is also incredible. Like the range of this guy, he's Mr. Apple this year. He's in severance, like one of the best dramas of the year. And he's in our show, right. which is a, a, a comedy for Apple. And you know, their shows are both doing well. And, and, and it's really like, you know, this guy can do everything. He can play small like he does in Parks and Rec. He can play douchey like he does in Step Brothers. Like you said, he can cheat on. He can get cheated on. He can cheat. Yeah. It's like, this is... Um, but And he's also a great guy. I mean, we were we were so happy to get him. I, he's he's an old friend from Parks. And, and uh, um, you know, I think they're just so funny together. And he, he keeps popping up in the show as well. So look for more of him in the show. But um, yeah, absolutely incredible job by him. Incredibly unlikable, but also incredibly funny. <laughs> well, the other thing with Maya Rudolph, she has like a huge family. It's she is. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. She pulls it off. It's, Does she, she have I, like four kids? She has four kids. Uh, it was incredible at the premiere. She was there with uh, Paul Thomas Anderson, uh, to me, the greatest living filmmaker. You've interviewed right. Paul before. I mean, he's such a great guy. And yeah, she. So she's with Paul. She has four children. She's raising them. She's yeah, she's like a hands-on mom. I know. And and I had some friends talking about like, yeah, we're trying to get Maya to do her movie. I'm like, she's busy. Stop, stop monopolizing her time. We need her arrested for the show. <laughs> Anytime anyone has more than two kids, I'm just in awe of them. Especially like to, on top of it to try to have a career. Like yeah. everyone I know who has three kids or more, it's just they're they're just on the defense basically for 10 years. Making by and by the way, making a TV show is a lot. I have no kids. Sometimes I'm tired. Like <laughs> if you had four kids, it's like, and you're getting you're getting them at four in the morning. You're gonna go shoot the mansion in Bel Air. You gotta get up at four, go to this mansion. But yeah, it's it's incredible. And she, no, you're you know, basically she really you're Frank it. Vogel every day. You're Frank Vogel last year in the Lakers <laughs> every day with four kids. Uh, yeah, just yeah, trying absolutely. to put out fires. All egos, fires, just oh you know, my god. Man. Two kids are hard. I, I especially think, when they get older and they start the the ego start coming in and stuff. But yeah, I, I'm always I'm always impressed when anyone can function, much less have a job. And yeah, and she's so sweet with her kids. She and she tells me stories about them all the time. They seems like a wonderful, fun family. So I don't know. Is Congrats she, to them. Is she one of the most? It just seems like she's one of the most liked people. I know it's like a weird thing to say, and people always lie about. No, no, they're great, and then you kind of know, but. With her, it really does seem like she is like generally universally beloved. She is genuinely beloved. And and also like it, she can, here's the thing. She can move in any circle. You know, she's right. been in amazing films. She's been on SNL. She knows everybody. You know, like we had, we had Seal on our show, right? Seal, Seal right. came on. The joke is he's singing at her birthday party. And so Seal, Seal just wants to talk to Maya. Seals there singing Kiss Around. Right. Like he just every everyone wants to be friends with her. I there's an amazing story. We were doing a table read. You know, we do Zoom table reads because it's more convenient for the actors, safer for COVID. And she was a minute or two late and she hopped on. She's like, oh I'm so sorry. Uh I went out back and Paul was having lunch with Denzel Washington. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and like I got caught up and Denzel wanted to talk. I was like, yeah, you, you had to talk to Denzel. Our table read can wait a couple of minutes. Right. And, you know, it's just like, that's the life. And yet at the same time, you're right. She's, it's a, you know, she's mostly just hanging out with her kids, you know, like taking them to school and stuff and like very down to earth in a lot of ways. So it's really, she's multivalent. She's multi-talented. She can do drama. She can do comedy, much like Adam. So, and, and, and she is, yes, universally beloved, I would say. It's just, you know, be a good person. It's, you know, that's, that's it. Meanwhile, you broke news there. 
Denzel's going to be in the new Paul Thomas. Oh, maybe movie. that was. Yeah. Well, I, Put yeah, that in the I, trades. I, I mean, can you imagine that movie, by the way? Like, maybe my favorite actor, <laughs> maybe my favorite director. Like, I'll, I'll sign me up now. I pay a hundred bucks to see that right now. That would be great. I mean, Denzel's work with some great ones, too. All right. So, you're, what are we, two episodes in? Uh, on I Apple? Think they, they drop three the first week, and then there's weekly after that. So, it says it comes out every Friday, but I believe it's actually out like 6 p.m. Pacific on Thursday nights. Um, yeah, fun, funny comedy. You know, what I've heard is just like, it's a little bit escapist, right? It's like, look, it's some of the darkest shit in the world is happening right now. Yeah. You know, if you want to sort of escape for a second, turn it on. It's very warm. It's about people working together. Um, great cast. Uh, Michaela J. Rodriguez from Pose. Nat Faxon, Joel Kim Booster, who's having an amazing summer. Um, Nat Faxon. And, and it's just, it's, you know, it was a really fun show and, and we hope people uh, enjoy it and, you know, relax you for a you second. You left out one person that we both know. David Chang. <laughs> Mr. David Chang. <laughs> How did you get him to be in this? Uh, he he doesn't want to do anything. He hates, he, ha he hates everything. What are you talking he hates about? Everything. He doesn't I was like actually, really anything at all other than food. It was so fun. And he's souring on food. <laughs> he's souring on food. He's also out on food. No, we, we actually all went to a wedding, me and Dave and uh, Adam. Adam was there also uh, not too long ago. And I had a long, like three hour lunch with Dave. And he was like, what am I going to do, man? You should listen to his pod. Obviously, you know, people out there, he has his own podcast. So, you, you know, but he's like, he's just like, I got to like rethink my life. And like, he's just like a big thinker, right? He's always yeah. making big moves and we're opposites. Like, I think this is why we get along. He's like, he's like, fuck you, man. You're always so happy. <laughs> like, that's all he's like, that's what he's always saying. <laughs> Cause he's always thinking about stuff, but you know, that's why he's great at what he does. Uh, but we just love the joke of, you know, spoiler alert, he's uh, he's Maya's personal chef. So he's just around. He's like, and, you know, making her amazing <laughs> dishes. And then she just keeps asking for like junk food and burritos and stuff. So that's the bit. But yeah, by the way, I had to I had to sort of rattle his cage. Like he didn't want to act. He, you know, he acted in, in David Simon's thing because he loves David Simon. I'm emphatically not as good as David Simon at writing, yeah. but uh, we're buddies. So <laughs> he came back in and, you know, David Simon, the greatest writer of all time, but yeah, he came in and he's in a couple episodes. So uh, I was really happy. It was, it was, it was fun to get him out of the house. And you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, he, did he left the house. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was like, he's, he's playing like, golf again. Hard. Chang's going through a whole bunch of stuff. I know. All I right. can't wait to play golf with him. So good luck. Um, good luck with the show. And, don't have good luck with the Lakers. I mean, look, That's the Lakers need, need more luck than this show. I'll say that. They're, they're in a spot of trouble. Good luck to your team, but not really because you don't need it. That team's too good, man. This team's too good. You're set up. You're set up. You know what we need in basketball, like in baseball now? Like I was looking at Joe. I mean, you, you still love the baseball stats and all the, all the nerdy stuff, right? A little bit? I check in on it. I have a baseball. You know, I have a couple of baseball threads. Yeah. So, and I'll go see a game, too. That's really fun. I'm so fascinated by Joey Gallo. I I would watch like a three hour show on Joey Gallo. Joey Gallo's hitting like 160. Yeah. And it's like he's the ultimate three outcome guy. Three true like, outcomes. Really seems like it's zero outcomes because he can't <laughs> ever get on base. Can you it's get like, it over <laughs> 200? Like, can you hit 200? Right. 160 is like five out of six times I'm going to probably strike out or have, have a ground out. That just seems like, how is this? A good guy to have in your team. I, I've just, I don't understand baseball at all anymore. Even as I, I watch it, I don't understand I, half I don't, of it. I don't either. And the one thing that we talk about a lot now is like, if Shohei can't save baseball, like who can save it? And look, maybe if you were on the Dodgers or something, but like this dude, he had back-to-back -back nights of what? Like 13 strikeouts and then eight RBI or back, you know, reversing the order. But 
how is that's that's comic book shit. That's like this is Babe is Babe Ruth. Well, you could Babe say Ruth the same thing about Aaron Judge. I mean, I was talking to some the other day about if Aaron Judge, if this was 1998, Aaron Judge and Shohei would be like two of the five biggest stars in any sport. Yeah. Right. All we would be talking about is can Aaron Judge get 60 homers? Is this guy the next mantle? Oh my God, you see what Judge did yesterday? Nobody cares. But I think I just think people don't care about regular season baseball at all anymore. Yeah. I, like, I just the thing with Shohei, I said this to Rossell on Sunday night. It's it's not that he needs to go to a big market. Well, I think he does, but it's more like he just needs to go to a team that is going to be playing in October. So the most of the casual fans who never watch baseball until four weeks in October, they just need to see him because they're not going to watch him in June. They'll see him on Twitter. They'll see him on Instagram, on TikTok. They're That's so it. they're so bad. And by the way, they also have Mike Trout. They have they I have know. the two like most legendarily good players. It's it it's it's shocking. I I don't know I don't know what the solution is, but you're right. I mean, we're old enough to remember McGuire and Sosa. Those guys were in commercial. Those guys were epically famous. If you're Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, you could walk into an Applebee's anywhere in the country, and no one would know who the who the fuck you were. That's it's so crazy. It just, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. The most people probably saw him in Sunday's brawl, yeah. the Angels Mariners brawl, because that was like probably the most shared social clip of the year in baseball so far. But yeah, it's. Look, he just needs to be on a big team that will be in the playoffs. And that's and the same thing with Trout. People don't know Trout. He hasn't been in the fucking playoffs. It's been a decade of this guy being essentially like Barry Bonds Jr. Like it's like the, yeah. he's, he's incredible. And it's just boring. The guy likes weather. I mean, look, he's not he's not setting the world on fire with like being controversial or anything, but like, yeah, he's anyway, we all know that. Like no one my, knows who Mike Trout. My is. hot take is Trout might be more interesting than I realized. I like that. Because during I the like fantasy that. football thing with uh with uh, what's his face, Jack Peterson? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they interviewed Trout in the dugout, like two weeks later, and they were asking about the league, and it was like, oh, he's actually like funny. What's going on here? Like, he, yeah, he was having like a good time with the interview, and he was like, he had jokes, and I'm like, Trout, who knew? Maybe have this should be your next show. Just have you ever him interviewed Trout. him? Have you ever interviewed? No, him at all? I was yeah, intrigued no. after it though. Yeah, maybe he just keeps a low profile look. You know, you keep your life simple. If you don't, if you're not massively famous, again, this is a treatise on fame. Yeah. But at a, you, you think you want to be famous as a kid, I think. But at a certain point, you know, I feel like I've met some famous people. It's like, you don't want to be that famous. <laughs> it's not, you don't want to be so famous. You got to rent the restaurant out. You know, you, you want to right. be like, hey, a couple people want to take photos with you occasionally. Like, yeah. like, you know, that's a nice level of fame. You don't want to be like, I can't walk. I can't move around the world. You know, I can't move about. Like, that's a, it's just not fun. I, I like, I feel like I've seen that. I've been on the periphery of that. And you don't want that. You want to be like a very low level of fame, I think. You want to be Mike Trout in Anaheim, just yeah, going exactly. 70, 75 and 87 every year. King of the town. King of mm. the town. All right, Alan Yang, good luck with the show. Worst of luck with the Lakers. Good to see you as always. Thanks for having me, buddy. All right, that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Waz and Ben. Thanks to Ariel. And thanks to Alan Yang. Thanks to Kyle Crane for producing. Thanks to Steve Cerruti and Dylan Berkey as well. And I'll see you on Thursday. So